0: I'm Dr. Future, your host.
1: I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake.
2: Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no fan of veiled legacies, immunization, or really public health for that matter. Bionic.
1: Bionic. Thank yeah. you. You just, you got so lost. Yeah. The man was reading over my shoulder here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another week of the Future Quake show. And we have another distinguished guest with us this week. And in fact, I want to compliment him also because uh, he was contacted on very short notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had circumstances come up where I needed to ask someone who I knew would do a dynamite show on short yep. notice uh, on a topic that I have had on my to-do list for some time. This week, we have Dr. Stan Monteith, uh, who is the host of the Radio Liberty program, and we're going to talk about an area of his expertise regarding the shameful, veiled legacy and motives of our immunization and public health policies and their threat to humanity.
2: All right, okay. so another another lighthearted future quick. That's right. Yeah. Another whimsical. Yep. Yeah, good theme music yeah. for it. Uh,
1: <clears throat> I actually heard uh, Dr. Monteith. Give uh, this talk. It's going to be the subject matter of of our show this week at the Radio Liberty Conference out oh, in and California, in your
2: stomping grounds. Oh yeah, 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 in Santa Cruz, Cruz area. It. Yep, alma mater. And uh, you yeah. know, he is a. I think a lot of people forget he is a doctor. He's like a board certified surgeon. Yeah, brain surgeon or something, right? Uh,
1: orthopedic surgeon. Oh, all right. Same thing. My bad.
2: Orthopedics. Yeah. They let you
1: work on whatever with yeah. your surgeon.
2: It's like once you can work on a Toyota, you know. That's right. You, just, you know, you can do
1: whatever. Right. You've got to work with uh, metric English units. Yep. But, uh no, he's a very distinguished gentleman. He'll mention that briefly in here about uh, uh how he was chosen by his peers to be on a special board for the state of California. Mm-hmm. And right. as fate would have it or God would have it, uh, it became an opportunity for him to learn more uh, about some things behind the scenes related to uh, manipulation of powers that be of, uh, of a health crisis that really opened pandora's box for him to understand
2: mm-hmm. that things were not as they seem. and that changed his course of history since then that's interesting you know i i remember even listening to a uh, an npr where they basically sort of admitted that these large pharmaceutical companies manipulated public health for their own benefit and then the mm-hmm. and then uh, they ended up with, with like a 30 second thing to validate like don't worry it's for your own good mm-hmm. okay <laughs> great yeah. just
1: move along yeah. nothing to see here well um Dr. Stan has spent his career uh, looking at these things. He has the biggest compendium of information one could ever find mm-hmm. uh, on this topic. And uh, I think uh, you'll be really um, impressed, if you're not already familiar with Dr. Stan, many of you are, but uh, with what he has to say and a gentleman of his age and his dedication through the decades. And so I think we need to bring him in. So with no further ado, here's Dr. Stan Monteith, the host of the Radio Liberty program, talking about this shameful veiled legacy of our immunization and public policy public health policies and we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake welcome to the Future Quake show i am dr future and i am flying solo today for this interview because we've made some very special arrangements uh for one of our dearest friends who has uh m- made special uh, considerations for us at the last minute with some very very important information that i wanted to share with our listeners for quite a while uh, and I want to thank him for his, uh, his time on short notice to come with us and share with us this information. Uh, this week we have Dr. Stan Monteith, uh, host of the Radio Liberty program and a medical doctor. Uh, and we're going to talk about the shameful veiled legacy and motives of our immunization and public health policies, uh, and their threat to humanity. And I just want to say, Dr. Monteith, it is a pleasure to have you back again on the Future Quake Radio Show.
3: Well, it's a real uh, real privilege to be with you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, you know, uh, many of our listeners also listen to your show, although we have been growing, uh, doubling about every three months in our audience. So we, we do have people who are new to some of the information and people affiliated with our show. But many of them do listen to your show as well. And as I've said previously, I did not know until a few years after starting Future Quake about your show and how you had faithfully dedicated your life for decades up to that time to warn Americans about the spiritual and human forces at work to deceive the people of our nation and earth. And um, I've I found that the Lord has taken me in, in, in a similar direction, unbeknownst that, that you've been fighting the fight by yourself for all these uh, long years by yourself and have made a, a very important stand to turn away from a, a lucrative career, uh, a position of prominence, to devote yourself to this work for the Lord. I just want to thank you so much on behalf of our listeners for your faithful service
3: and example to us. Well, it's been a privilege, uh, and it's been uh, really a a wonderful opportunity to share the Lord, but in the the meantime, to educate people about what's going on. And, you know, the exciting thing to me is, for the first time in almost half a century, I've been at this for 47, uh, entering my, uh, very soon, will be 48 years uh that uh people are really beginning to wake up, so uh certainly so things are going to get a lot worse, and that 's wonderful because only when times get bad do people begin to evaluate what 's really important and begin to ask why are these things taking place. You, and I have the answers, you're going to be here a lot longer than I am, and I just hope you can take the information I've been able to obtain and build on that and uh, and go on from there. That's what it's all about, Uh, and we'll be very, very soon passing the torch to you and the people of your generation.
1: Well, uh, you know, I consider you the the Iron Man uh, of this field. Uh, You're currently (laughs) in your early 80s, correct? Uh, That's right. And I want to challenge, before we move into our material here, challenge all of our listeners. Most of them are about half your age or younger. I want to encourage all of them who are tired, they come home from work, they've had a full week, they have family demands, other kind of things, and they just cannot find time to carve out a little time to do some kind of activism, sharing, uh, exposing this information resisting in their own way as the Lord sees fit for them to do resist evil expose it uh, save other people from it they're just too busy too tired that there's a gentleman here twice your age who again has turned away from a very lucrative field as a, as a prominent surgeon uh who felt the need and the call to devote his life in service to the Lord and I hope your example will shine to our, our listeners out there to give them the motivation to take at least a little bit of their time and look beyond themselves and even their immediate needs in their family and look to their fellow man, their neighbor, their fellow citizen, uh, uh, others in the world who need to hear the information and need each of them to get involved in at least some small way to do something that they can to further the aims and the purposes of the body of Christ to be salted in line and preserve our society as best as possible. Uh, since we're, we're going to talk today about how the medical establishment and their government and pharmaceutical henchmen have brought pestilence and suffering on an unsuspecting public, um, based upon the tremendous talk that you gave at last year's Radio Liberty Conference, which I, I recommend everyone go there. We've talked about it a number of times since I got back. Can you share with our listeners who are new to your work about your medical credentials and your credibility to
3: speak out on this topic today. I was trained as a North Peak surgeon and I practiced in Santa Cruz, California, from 1960 until 1994. And Sydney, uh, uh, I was three years. I went to Africa during that period and worked at the University of uh, the Orange Free State uh, Medical Center as a professor of medicine. Basically, for 10 years, the last 10 years of my practice, I was elected by the doctors of my community uh, to attend the meetings of the House of Delegates of the California Medical Association, which is sort of like a, a uh, congress of doctors. Uh, during that period, I just took a stand on the AIDS epidemic, trying to point out we were not trying to stop the AIDS epidemic. Uh, we were... Uh, certainly avoiding all the standard public health approaches to the AIDS epidemic. Uh, certainly, I'm an orthopedist. I'm not a public health official, but fortunately, we had some very smart doctors in my community who gave me, uh, certainly, the background of what needed to be done. I had during that period uh, when I was leading the battle to try to address the AIDS epidemic from a public health point of view, I had public health officials come to me and say, very quietly, stand. Uh, we w- want you to know that we back what you're doing. We can't come out publicly and do that. We endanger our jobs, but you keep up the good work. And, uh, Cindy, uh so uh, well, well, I understand the position they were in. Uh, if they were to t- tell their, their uh, people in their communities the truth, they'd lose their jobs. And so uh, they were in a position where they were not allowed to tell the public that we allowed the AIDS epidemic to kill uh, oh, well over a, a million people here in the United States Sydney. Well, I think we've lost a half a million. We have another million who are infected and will die sooner or later from this disease. Of oh, Sydney, countless millions have died throughout the world. Totally unnecessarily we knew how to stop the epidemic. Uh, We were not allowed to use the effective public health techniques. We would use with every other sexually transmitted disease. Fortunately, the disease has not ravished America as uh, uh, thoroughly as I thought it would because as we learned more about the disease, it became very obvious that it was actually a creative disease. It is designed primarily to kill blacks, almost half of the people in the United States, who've contracted the disease are black, and this is why the disease is decimating the population of Africa, where uh, in places like um, uh, South Africa, 25% of the population has the disease, about 40% of the adult population in Botswana, 46% of the pregnant women, they test every pregnant woman, Uh, in in South Africa for HIV. We don't do that here in America, but they can do it in South Africa by me in Botswana. Forty-six percent are infected. Uh, They're probably all going to die in the not-too-distant future. One of the great tragedies of all time, but I suddenly realized that after getting the support of the majority of the doctors here in the state of California, getting a standing ovation from the House of Delegates of the California Medical Association after almost ten years of work and then realizing that the hierarchy of organized medicine had no intention of trying to stop this deadly disease. I finally realized that I could not be effective working within organized medicine and that's why I went into talk radio. And I think at least we've had an opportunity to reach some people and expose them to the truth that's that's the purpose mm-hmm. of what i do five hours a day
1: that's right and I, I i wanted to mention i think you've already done we're, we're recording this uh early in the morning here you have already uh done an hour of radio today already correct
3: that's right i have an early morning program in colorado it's a great listening audience there but then we have great listening audiences all across america mm-hmm.
1: and and at radio liberty you you have over 60 stations is that correct currently mm-hmm.
3: Well, well, we have over outlets. We have shortwave internet. But we have a, a number of stations. Our weekend program uh, goes to 30 stations heard uh, across America. That's com, And they can go to our website at radioliberty.com get a list of the stations, and, and hopefully why, of course, uh, they can listen locally. Or they can hear us on shortwave mm-hmm. on the internet or by satellite, a very inexpensive satellite system, and they can hear our programming. Mm -hmm. Nine hours a day, not get much accomplished, but at least they'll begin to understand this truly spiritual battle that we're engaged in today.
1: Well, if they're going to have the TV on in the background all day or have Radio Liberty, I'll choose Radio Liberty hands down. Uh, for our really listeners, great. if they want to be saturated with information, I think truth would be the preferred choice. Um, I want to move in our material, but I just want to make sure people understand. If you do not listen to Radio Liberty, you are missing an essential blessing. Uh, this is a regular education for me. Uh, I, I've been at this for five years, and I'm a neophyte in understanding things. So I regularly go to, to Radio Liberty to be educated. Uh, you have lots of background videos, uh, documents, reports, uh, that are much more explosive than even what we cover here on Future Quake. Uh, even guests that appear on here I've been introduced to on Radio Liberty. People like Van Smith, who will be coming on here in a few weeks on our show. Uh, new, new people, uh, are based upon the Radio Liberty experience. So, I'll leave it at that, but Radio Liberty.com should be a routine visit preferably a daily visit for our listeners, uh, is essential part of their education. Now, regarding your discussion on AIDS, I know this is a, a strange way to get into immunization, but it all fits together. Uh, you, you ran into a particularly explosive reference that I believe was called Full Disclosure about the AIDS epidemic and its causes. Uh, that that I think probably assisted you in deciding that you needed to look deeper at the forces that were really running our society. Can you explain a little bit about that and, and what attempts have been made to try to cover it up?
3: Well, the question arose, you know, starting back in 1986, by that time we'd had the uh, blood test that would diagnose the disease for three years, and yet we weren't using it to... Try to identify the people who had the disease. We were not doing routine testing. We were not doing premarital testing or prenatal testing. That means a pregnant woman or neonatal testing, a newborn child. Because of course, uh, if the mother has the uh, the disease, we can keep her from passing it on to the child if we know she has the disease. But they blocked that. They blocked the. Uh, uh, efforts to do it was right as far as the uh, IV drug users because that's another means of getting the disease. What you need is routine testing in doctors' offices, and dental offices, uh, when people are admitted to the hospital, premarital uh, and uh, certainly uh, neonatal and postnatal. Uh, routine testing for HIV to identify who has the disease so the public health officer can then do tracking, find out who gave the disease to the target individual and then who he may have given it or she may have given it to. We're not doing that in America. They've done it with syphilis. They've done it with gonorrhea. They've done it with other communicable diseases. But AIDS, we were not trying to stop. So. Uh, I started out wondering why. Well, maybe it was a communist conspiracy. Maybe uh, There were all sorts of explanations, but none of them really quite made sense. And uh, it wasn't really until uh, I was working very close to Dr. Lorraine Day at the time, and she said, Stan, don't you understand? This is about population control. Well, I didn't want to believe that. I didn't want to believe that. Uh, this disease, we were not trying to stop it because there was a population-controlled agenda and somebody wanted to kill off a large number of people throughout the world. And it really wasn't until I ran into this book, Full Disclosure, it's written by Dr. Gary Glum, and uh, you can find the full text up on the Internet. If you try to buy the book from Amazon, the copies are about $1,000, $1,000. I have the book. I've read it. And the basic theme of the book is that this gentleman came to Dr. Glum. He was dying of pancreatic cancer. Uh, He had no fear that uh, as a government employee that they would put him in prison or uh, they would kill him uh, because this is what they do to people who tell what's really going on. And so he told Dr. Glum about what it was about, that he had been part of the group that actually created this disease, uh, working for uh, some shadowy part of our government, and that it was all about population control. Well, of course, that then uh, led me into other analyses, certainly Dr. Garth Nicholson, who was a, not an infrequent guest of our program, one of the leading scientists in the country, Dr. Garth Nicholson, and we carry his book uh, entitled "Project Day Lily." That's Project Day Lily, and he uh, talks about how, of course, the government has the um, a, a patent. Uh, the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology has a patent on the co-infection because this is not one infection with one virus. It's a co-infection between. The HIV retrovirus and a mycoplasm, a genetically altered mycoplasm fermentus, which the government has a, a, a patent on. And, uh, um, and of course, uh, he goes into the background of the man who holds the patent, who works for the government, uh, that he mentions that one of the people who worked on the project came to him surreptitiously. Uh, to uh, tell him he'd been uh, associated with creating the AIDS virus. And then, of course, uh, we were eventually able to track down the CIA records. And you can get them that call these, uh, or the records uh, of their 15 volumes of the uh, Special Virus Cancer Project published by the CIA about their effort to create this terrible new disease. And, of course, uh, we have. Uh, I have uh, uh, several of the volumes, but they are available from eight on. The first eight were destroyed, but the last eight are available, and uh, you can get them from a fellow named Boyd Graves or other sources. Don Scott has written a one- he's in Canada has written a wonderful book, AIDS: The Crime Beyond Description. Now, there's a lot of conscious effort to confuse the American people about this disease. I mean, how could you ever let the average American know this was a disease It was created? It is engineered primarily to kill blacks, which is why it has never been uh, uh, widespread in america and that uh, said it was introduced into our community by I guess, a vaccine it was a hepatitis B vaccine that was given to homosexuals in New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles back in the mid-1970s, and then, of course, a few years later, they started coming down with AIDS. We do know that in San Francisco, of those idealistic homosexual men who volunteered for a special uh, uh, experiment to see if the hepatitis B vaccine would stop hepatitis B, almost 77% of them had contracted AIDS, and most of them did. Now, and uh, but you're not going to hear about this through regular channels. They can't let you know that they introduced this into America to the homosexual population, uh, that, of course, uh, uh, that they introduced into Africa, probably using the same hepatitis B uh, vaccine. And, of course, you can get the work of Dr. Len Horowitz, who is trained in public health at, at Harvard University, and he's done a lot of great work on it. His book, Emerging Viruses, AIDS, Ebola, and Other Diseases, which we still carry, is one of the classic works on this. Uh, That and the the, uh, book, um, Project Day Lilly, and, of course, uh, Don Scott's book, we carry that, uh, AIDS, A Crime Beyond Belief. And then, of course, full disclosure, you can actually get the uh, full text on the Internet, So there's no question this is produced by a a, a, um, uh, undercover laboratories. Many of the major scientists in America were recruited and paid by the CIA. I think the majority of them had no idea what it was all about, but they were all working on different aspects of creating this terrible new disease that has killed so many blacks in Africa because there's genetic differences between blacks and whites. And uh, this is why, of course, it, the disease is so prevalent in Africa. They have the ability now to target racial groups. We see this with the latest H1N1 virus, which primarily targeted uh, Asians. And they had uh, eight times as much uh, of that disease uh, among the, uh, the Asian elements as the American elements. You can get this off the uh, off the uh, CDC website. But nobody's going to tell the American people they must never understand that so we have the ability to create disease to target specific racial groups with the disease, and we are engaged in a genocidal program uh, which is already underway uh, to uh, eliminate large segments of the population of the earth.
1: Now, now the uh if people have questions about that, all they have to do is read the writings, the admissions of notable globalists during the 20th century, people like Bertrand Russell, people like David Rockefeller, others who are involved in this movement, they are very explicit in their motives of what you're saying. There's no question in trying to determine their motives. They're very clear in saying we need to get rid of large parts of the population, in particular certain people groups that we think are not in the genetic path that we want to go. Uh, it's a it's a very anti Christ worldview. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future
2: and Tom. No public health policies for me. Thank you very much, Bionic.
1: Okay. Yeah. You know, you say a lot of times no blank whatever the whatever the guest is.
2: Yeah, it's usually because I agree with them.
1: Okay. I'll start. The, I'll
2: start doing something different if you want.
1: You agree with them in their op- opposition to the topic? Generally, yeah. Okay. I, I may not
2: agree on the fine points, but okay. yeah, they usually they're you know they have something to say. Well, evidently
1: mm-hmm. this uh, book that has since they have gobbled up and bought all of them out off the street so people can get them. Full disclosure about the AIDS epidemic, mm-hmm. where somebody I believe they mentioned on a deathbed conversion kind of thing where they said that. Uh, confession I mean that uh that it was engineered in a lab. That they were involved in engineering aids in a lab. Well I know I've heard that I've heard
2: that accusation repeatedly. Uh but the interesting thing is that, you know, we have a distinguished a distinguished doctor here, uh with Doctor Stan mm-hmm. who's uh you know it's it's one thing if me and you say that, it's another thing with Doctor Stan Montez, right. you know, uh surgeon says that.
1: And it changed the course of his life. Mhm. It actually changed the way that he uh, um, looked at all of life. Yeah. Which is what I hope happens with Future Quake. And that's what our listeners say a lot of times. I know. Our listeners say that it changes the way they look at the world. Listen Hopefully to, more factually.
2: I listened to your show and decided I'd listen to something different for the rest of my days. Well, I guess it did change. <laughs>
1: it did change him that way. I, I, I can't express my gratitude to Dr. Stan mm-hmm. for his dedication when nobody else was doing this kind of stuff for decades. Yeah. He was out there by himself talking about this kind of thing.
2: He's kind of like, in in some senses, he's like, you know, that, that sort of joke that you see, like Noah walking down the street of Main Street going, it's going to rain, everybody get ready, yeah. everybody get ready. And people right. are like washing their cars. And, and right. he, he's got this giant boat out in front of his house, and he gets up into mm-hmm. the boat and shuts the door, and there you go.
1: Yeah. Well, i tell you something that people do, do need to get ready for is to have Merv come and tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake.
0: FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go.
1: All right. Let's Sorry go we had to That's okay. cut off there. Come back tomorrow for the next installment with Dr. Stan Monteith. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.
4: Welcome
1: to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future.
2: And I am Thomasina Bionicus Maximus.
1: Thomasina, that has sort of a feminine tone.
2: Thomasina? No, I thought that was a like a uh, Serbian... You know, yeah,
1: I should have known that.
2: demi God kind of a thing.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you today. Uh, today is our second installment of our interview with Dr. Stan Monteith, uh, who is a medical doctor and the host of the Radio Liberty program, talking about the shameful veiled legacy and motives uh, behind our immunization and public health policies. And um, it's shocking information. I know a lot of you all listen to Radio Liberty. Uh, some of you have come over from that show to also partake of Future Quake, and we're so glad to have you with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate if you heard some of this information, to bear with us. Uh, this is important information for new listeners to hear from a very esteemed, highly credentialed individual uh, that should help them to have some healthy doubts about a lot of information they hear from our government and mainstream media. And Dr. Stan was one of the first guys who really started putting together from a Christian perspective.
2: Yeah. I I made the analogy uh, I think yesterday that he's like Noah walking down the street while the sun is shining. Go, it's gonna rain. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. gotta watch out. Right. Prepare.
1: But he did it decades before even the quake came along, and yeah. here we are finishing our fifth year on air. Yeah, I know. And he was there he's by like, himself.
2: You all are a bunch of like newcomers. You gotta. He, he doesn't badmouth us like
1: that. He doesn't. No, he's actually, he doesn't. He's very, very nice. Very gracious person. Yeah. And he has some very important information to share. Now, this information was covered, as I said yesterday, at the 2009 Radio Liberty Conference, which uh, is held every fall. And I highly recommend everybody make a trip to go out there. It's a beautiful Santa Cruz area. And, uh, met some of our other uh, favorites there. Tom Horn was there speaking. Mm-hmm. Will Grigg.
2: Catherine Albrecht, right? Catherine
1: Albrecht, who we hope to have on our show very soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Dr. Stan gave a talk. That we're, we're we're discussing here this week about the legacy and the history of our institutions, our government, medical institutions, being caught red-handed uh, providing uh, materials, whether it's vaccines or other materials, uh, into our our medical supply that were known to be harmful. Uh, and actually, he has done the homework to find a legacy of where they intentionally want to thin out the herd, um, have a, a a smaller group of people, a weakened group. Uh, for the motives of uh, world domination as written in their own hand, and their own writings. I know. Writings. And the funny thing is. This is, 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 is not speculation. Yeah, this no, no and the funny thing is, is they
2: say, oh, and by the way, we're telling you this because we know that even if you find all this stuff and put all the pieces together, they're not, nobody's going to believe you. They're going to think you're crazy. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But that's in their own hand. Very famous people. And it's up to you on what you do with that information. So, uh, here's our next installment, Dr. Stan Monteith. From Radio Liberty, and we'll be right back to discuss it here
3: at Future quick And we can suggest people go to uh, my website and uh, access my population control agenda, it's a little monograph, or you can find it on the on the internet just under population control agenda of radio liberty and uh, you'll see it, it, uh, it posted there. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, they op- openly come out and talk about the necessity of killing off large segments of the population, uh, whether it would be Barbara Marx Hubbard who ran for the, uh, for the Democrat nomination for the presidency back in, in 1984 against uh, Geraldine Ferraro, and she openly talked in, in the original text of her book the revelation, the book of co-creation, about the necessity of killing a quarter of the world's population, those who would not evolve to a higher level of consciousness. She was, of course, talking about the Christians. And then she went on to say, it is not your job, my dear, to eliminate them. That is ours. Because we are the writers of the pale horse, death. And, of course, Prince Philip was quoted as saying, you know, if if I, because he's come sort of the Queen of England, what I, if I am resurrected, I hope to come back as a virus so that I can uh, help to deal with the world population. Certainly, so there's a a, a doctor um, Eric Pianka mm-hmm. down at the University of Texas, professor there, who's talked about the necessity of having a plague every. Uh, you know, Ebola to kill off 90% of the population. Certainly there's the quotation from uh, Bertrand Russell, his book, uh, The Impact of Science on Society. That's Bertrand Russell, The Impact of Science on Society. 1953, 1953, page 103, 104, where he talks about you can't kill enough people with war or by abortion, Maybe if we could have a black plague sweep across the world once in every generation, why, of course, we'd uh, be able to control the population. Uh, David Graeber, who works for uh, the government uh, uh, department, uh, uh, told in 1989, the Los Angeles Times, that man is a plague upon the earth, and really all we can do is wait for another virus to come Mm -hmm. along. They know exactly what they're doing, Zacusto talked about, and, and this is a, mm-hmm. in the UNESCO Courier in November of 1991, and incidentally, we have uh, that, take copies, pages from the UNESCO Courier, we'd we'll be glad to send them to anybody if they want to call our 800 number, or hopefully get some material from us, and, and request the Jacques Cousteau, um, the quotation, uh, you know, where he talks about the necessity of eliminating 350,000 people a day. He makes Adolf Hitler look like a piker. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people are deadly serious. And we can go down the line. uh, uh, But the material is all laid out. And and you can check the documentation. Uh, Professor Sam Keane speaking at the uh, the, um, State of the World Forum in 1995 Calling for elimination of the ninety percent of the world's population, the Georgia Guidestones in Elberton, Georgia, and Chris you will be talking to right. Vance Smith about that. Calling for getting the world population down, maintain the world population at five hundred million, and uh, constant balance with nature. So they're talking about killing off over ninety-five percent of the world's population that's right and these people are deadly serious
1: well it's interesting when uh uh barbara marx harbert 's channel spirit talks about being the pale horse death because uh, that that is a biblical citation and quotation of exactly this activity. When you see the fourth horseman in Revelation uh, taking at least a, a, a large proportion of the earth's population by pestilence and by these similar means. So there's no ambiguity in the spirit world about what they're doing. They're represented by this action of death in Hades to use these kind of techniques You know, I I think uh, many people in years past reading their Bible assumed that these were just natural byproducts of the world, these pestilences and other things that occur, it never dreamed of them that they would actually be bioengineered and be intentionally done by the dark spiritual forces and their human benefactors, their henchmen, to actually take these activities. And, of course, on our show, it's almost like a mantra. We always point out in Revelation 18 where it says that the great kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth, the global merchants, conspire together and they use pharmakia, or the use of drugs, to contact the spirit world and to also uh, to, de- to deceive the nations of the earth, the Bible says to alter the reality and deceive the nations. So uh, there are effects on our physical health. There's effects on our mental health as well too. I'd, I'd like to move on and, and ask you about some uh, real specific questions, just to give examples to people about the legacy of our of our vaccines in society. Um, now, was, was has there been some kind of cover up, or you you could explain it better about sudden infant death syndrome uh, as being a, sort of the, the uh, scapegoat for a lot of vaccine-related uh, deaths and, and, and other impacts on
3: society? Well, we call it sudden infant death syndrome where a child uh, you know, suddenly dies, you are quite young, but if you check them out, of course, you find out that uh, they've gotten vaccines shortly before. In Japan, where they delayed them uh, giving vaccines until the children were over two years of age, uh, they didn't start the vaccination program until after two, a dramatic decrease in the incidence of uh, sudden infant death. So there seems to be very little question at all that, The vaccines play a part uh, in that. There may be other things as well, certain things as far as the the mattress is concerned, uh, especially Mm -hmm. uh, when the uh, the mattress gets wet from urination, wet uh, diapers. But uh, certainly uh, it it ties directly into vaccines as well. Vaccines, of course, are behind Mm -hmm. many of the cases of shaken baby syndrome, but they cannot let the American people know the vaccination program is destroying the lives of our children. Let me give you an example. Uh, today, according to Centers for Disease Control, one of every six American children has a neurodevelopmental or learning disability. One in every nine children has wow. asthma. One in every 11 to 12 children has severe allergies of one sort or another. One in every 60 boys is autistic. One of every 100 children, 90 to 100 children, has autism. We never saw this before. And certainly one in every 450 children has juvenile diabetes. And this, is, of course, is a dramatic increase from, I think it was, used to be one in every uh, you know, 7,500, and now it's one in every 450. This is an autoimmune disease. We have literally hundreds of cases, of thousands of hundreds of thousands of cases of juvenile arthritis all new. And you seldom see these d- diseases in children who are not vaccinated. There is an organized effort to uh, simply play down all of these things and to talk about all sorts of unrelated issues. All you have to do is look at the children in our country who are not vaccinated the Amish children, uh, the Mennonite children. They don't have these diseases. There are, person databases that the CDC has. Dr. Mark Geyer, who is a good friend, actually got into the database and uh, over the CDC's objection, he got it in there. He found there was a 27 times increase in the incidence of autism in the children who were vaccinated. And got the thimerosal, which is a mercury poison in the vaccine, a 27 times increase, uh, you know, in the instance of autism if you got the thimerosal vaccines. If you uh, against the non-thimerosal vaccines, and what did the CDC do when well, they found out Dr. Gar had the information? They simply destroyed the database. They cannot let the American people know. They've destroyed the health of so many of our children, and this is truly diabolical. But if you understand that they have a higher calling, uh, they know exactly what they're doing. They're destroying the very essence of our children and destroying their lives. When you understand that they're evil and wicked people working at the Disease Control, and I know I've been there. I've talked to them. Uh, I talked to them, of course, about the AIDS epidemic. And I came away in disbelief. There were people there who did not want to stop the AIDS epidemic. Uh, it was happening back in 19, uh, uh, or I guess about 19 1990 uh, uh, 19 when I went there, and, uh, and nothing has happened since then. Uh, but now, of course, I understand how they're using the vaccination program to destroy the lives of our children. And the average individual has no knowledge, the average doctor has no knowledge of what I've just said, but you can get this from the National Vaccine Information Center, that's the NVIC.org, www.nationalvaccinecenter.org, or Information Center, National Vaccine Information Center, public officials' Group will give you all of this information check it out find out if it's true mm-hmm. and then help us save the children
1: yeah they're actually even targeting the reproductive systems of new generations right through uh through through the vaccines and the things that affect sperm counts but all of the uh, uh hormones that are added to our to our meat and other things are actually reducing testosterone levels in men uh Aren't these other kind of things part of what they're trying to do to sort of thin out the herd? Oh,
3: oh, oh yeah, surely they. Basically, they're poisoning our diet they, by putting aspartame and MSG into the diet. I mean, these things should never have been allowed in our diet, and they affect reproduction. Then of course, they have the mercury in the vaccines. Uh, they have the um, the uh, of fluoride that they put in the drinking water. Fluoride lowers the sperm count and lowers, lowers fertility. Uh, this is well-known, these magazines are, are called Fluoride and we have a, a great syllabus called The Hidden Agenda where we have the abstracts from the magazine. Fluoride put together by chemists throughout the world who are trying to warn the public that they're destroying fertility and then of course uh, by the use of the genetically modified food, the genetically modified food is specifically designed to affect fertility, and they know what they're doing. Uh, then the bisphenols, which are in plastic, that they, uh, they say, oh, there's nothing to worry about. But the uh, bisphenol is in plastic; it's used to harden uh, the bottles or any sort of plastic. And, of course, this in itself attacks fertility because it it feminizes our men. Why are so many men having erectile dysfunction today? Why has the sperm count all throughout the world dropped almost 50%? Why is the fertility rate dropping throughout the world? It's all part of a carefully designed program, but if we're specifically here in America, by introducing aspartame and MSG into our diet, uh, mercury into our vaccines, fluoride into our drinking water, uh, the genetically modified food by sphenols, and we can go down the list of things, all designed to attack fertility. They know what they're doing. They just can't let the American people know. Uh, why, Why, of course, some of these stupid people might actually become a little angry when they realized they were being poisoned. And not only this generation, but certainly with the mercury that we're putting in the vaccines that we're giving to children in third world countries. This affects not only this generation, but unborn, the fertility of unborn generations. Mm -hmm. And we actually have a wonderful um, DVD on this subject. It's called Mercury Autism and the Global Vaccine Agenda a talk given by Dr. David A, but if you get that DVD, why well, there's a CD-ROM that comes with it that has literally uh, the thousands of pages uh, of, uh, of documentation from the government, from scientific journals, uh, pointing out how the mercury in the vaccines that are given to our children and children throughout the world is destroying not only the fertility of this generation but of unborn generations. We're mm-hmm. dealing, Michael, with organized evil mm-hmm. and that they know exactly what they're doing. How do we know that we know that they're doing? Because they actually setting up a seed bank up above the Arctic Circle that's called the Doomsday Seed Bank.
4: Right it's uh, in Norway. <laughs>
3: Right. Yeah, they're they're Mm -hmm. investing, you know, millions of dollars. They have these seeds being guarded. They're good seeds. They'll reproduce themselves. They certainly have none of the genetic traits that Mm -hmm. they put into the food that is being given to the American people. And and they're developing the Doomsday Seed Bank so that after humanity has been fairly well destroyed by, of course, genetically modified food, Then they can begin all over. And who is funding this? Why the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, dedicated to population control, the Rockefeller Foundation, dedicated to population control, Monsanto, and another major Swiss corporation that is dedicated to that is manufacturing genetically modified seeds. They're all funding the Doomsday Seed Bank. They know what they're doing. They just want the public to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, you're and, that,
1: right. and that relates back to the Bible as well, too. When you look at the third horseman of the apocalypse that actually controls the distribution of food and the price to be paid for it, uh, they recognize this all works together. The controlled use of pestilence, the controlled use of distribution of food is all part of a process of tyranny over mankind.
3: Amen to that. And, of course, this massive program of genocide, which is described under the fourth horseman, uh, the rider of the pale horse, and Hades uh, follows close behind.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the iniquity that the Bible clearly talks about, and we have... Uh you know, pushed under the rug uh, and focused on other matters, and we we don't reflect on what the real biblical revelation is about the world that we operate and work in. Um, regarding vaccines, i got one more question for you about that. Um, regarding the number of vaccines given to children today, I understand that there's been a huge increase in the number of vaccines that they give at one time to an infant, and that has had real medical effects. Can you have just a brief comment on, on that?
3: Well, basically what they do is, Chris, you have to understand how the immune system works. And every time you would have an insult to your immune system, uh, for instance, you come in contact with a a bacteria or a virus, well, your immune system has to harness and it has to mobilize against that one infection. And it it really, of course, decreases your general immunity response. I mean, certainly you stimulate it, but you also alter it for the time being. Well, it's one thing when you encounter one disease, but when you encounter uh, three, four, five, six, sometimes as many as eight different diseases you're immunized against at the same time. And whether you have the real disease or the fake disease, which is trying to fool the immune system into thinking that uh, you're being attacked by the measles or the mumps or rubella, They they will give the MMR vaccine, and the DPT vaccine, and the Haemophilus and the Wednesday vaccine, and the Hibnopathy, the the, uh, hepatitis B vaccine, all at one time. And here is this poor child's immune system trying to struggle with all of these at one time. And, of course, this can create terrible problems. First of all, it it produces an artificial immunity not a real immunity because it doesn't last. It can alter the immune response and create autoimmune disease. In other words, the immune system doesn't turn off in the third stage of immunity. And we cover this in our our talk on the Spectre Haunting America and certainly I think in, in several of our newsletters. The immune system has to turn on, it has to um, uh, work to uh, take care of the disease or the imagined disease and then it has to turn off, and well, if it doesn't turn off, why pressure your immune system continues attacking your own tissues, which is why we're having an explosion of autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, soreness syndrome, thyroiditis, uh, allergic colitis, and neurological disease multiple sclerosis, Lou Gehrig's disease, a myriad of autoimmune diseases uh, that are crippling our people, and uh, these are directly related uh, to the the vaccines, the multiple vaccines we're giving to our children, but they can also, every time you give a vaccine, you not only turn on the the, uh, immune system in the body, but the brain has a has a separate immune system, made of microglia and, and their response to uh, inflammation. And you turn on this this uh, the immune system in the brain, and you get chronic inflammation in the brain, which can lead to brain dysfunction. This is part of what autism is about, and schizophrenia, and manic depression, and and then, of course, down the line, dementia, Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. And this is why these diseases are exploding in America. But nobody's telling the American people the truth about what we're doing and how the vaccination program is being used to destroy the lives of our children and of our elderly.
4: Well, and let me... that
3: is why dementia and Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease are increasingly dramatically in America today.
1: We're back at Future Quake with Dr.
2: Future. And Tom, still down, but probably even more so now on uh, immunization biomics.
1: Oh, I thought you were speaking yourself being down. I'm glad you clarified that.
2: No, 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 no. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always down, but.
1: Well, and I've never threatened to immunize you here in the studio, have I? No. Even though I've been tempted to sometimes. <laughs>
2: Here's the uh, vaccine for silence.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, uh, no yeah. it's no laughing matter because the information that Dr. Stan just shared with us in this segment um, basically says that there has been an active cover-up to try to cover up the effects of these vaccines, mm-hmm. particularly on young people, young people in the process like the Sun infant death syndrome. And and I'll give some researchers maybe the credit that didn't know all the details that uh, just didn't think to put two and two together, but not all of them have clean hands. I surmise yeah, that the, some no, of them purposely tried to show, sure. just like what he said, like he said in the interview, that that the countries that did not give these childhood immunizations surprisingly didn't have deaths from sudden infant death syndrome, and how those who had the immunizations almost immediately after that were rapid occurrences of it.
2: Sure. Well, and and the even more ridiculous part is we see that. You know, people go, how could they do stuff like that? We see that same stuff going on even today just what 2 or 3 years ago, Bear Aspirin was caught red-handed putting uh factor 8 which was it's it's uh the AIDS virus in a suspended form into aspirin. And uh this they, was in the news. You're not just yeah, making no, the stuff. No, 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 it was in no really. the news. Where no, and going? it was and it was even covered at length by Joe Scarborough and his reporting team. Where they put they put this factor eight in the in the uh, this aspirin and the FDA said well you can't put that on the shelves here and they said well what do we do with it and the FDA says well you can't put it here so Bear said what if we shipped it to Europe and Japan yeah. and they said yeah that's fine we'll even help you do it so they shipped it to Europe and Japan and then people with compromised immune systems who had that who took yeah. that aspirin ended up getting uh, HIV
1: yeah that's just that's just terrible. I know, no, it's just, ridiculous. It's just amazingly terrible. It's ridiculous. They, they just know people are busy and they'll move on. Yeah, and you with know what like, they're thinking. Mm-hmm. One thing that really disturbs me about this, uh, not only is the immediate health effects, but the generational effects of reducing the uh fertility uh mm-hmm. of our generations by the fact that lowering sperm counts, actually shooting all these female growth hormones in the meat mm-hmm. that us are, you know, we're eating mm-hmm. and it's causing the, the ver fertility of men to drop and and, uh, you know, it's just, just an amazing orchestrated effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I can say is, even so, come, Lord Jesus.
2: Yeah, quicker, sooner rather than mm-hmm. later.
1: And also, well, Merv, could okay. you come and tell our listeners how to contact us here at Future Quake?
0: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. During the radio broadcast. Okay, that's the end of the line for today.
2: What happened?
1: It's over. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Uh, Tomorrow we've got one more segment with Dr. Stan, so please come back to tomorrow. And until then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.
2: Welcome back to the Future Quick Show. This is Dr. Future. And this, of course, is Tom with the fundamental names, but no usable content, Bionic.
1: Mm, That's truth in advertising there.
2: Right there, baby.
1: We're we're back today with our third and final installment with our guest this week, Dr. Stan Monteith, uh, a medical doctor and the host of the very popular Radio Liberty program, uh, heard over... 30 to 60 stations, mm-hmm. uh, coast to coast. He's the man. Uh, very influential person. Talking about the shameful, veiled legacy and motives behind our immunization and public health policies. And uh, he is the man who can tell us the real story of what's going on. Uh, he was brought in, as as he said earlier in his discussion, mm-hmm. by the state of California, selected by his peers to look at the cause of AIDS. That's mm-hmm. when he found out in his research there that things were not as they seemed, and that the world itself was not as it seemed.
2: And that changed his life forever. Boy, that's the truth.
1: certainly changed you and I, haven't it? Yeah. I mean, I would say the last three years or so, we sort of look at the world a different way, don't we?
2: That's kind of an understatement. Well, you know,
1: we're finding that testimony over and over again. You know, even just gotten some books lately to review from some people who said Mm -hmm. just about at the same time, the same thing happened to them.
2: Well, uh, maybe God's like doing something, setting aside a remnant to go and proclaim the truth.
1: Well, in you know the All sad I need thing is a
2: camel's camel hair suit.
1: A camel hair suit. Yeah, and eat some locust. Yep. Uh, the sad thing Did you bring the honey? <laughs> is that uh, is that most of the criticism you'll get when you ask these questions are from other Christians.
2: Oh yeah, totally. It's um well there's a culture of people will get really mad and I will get a ton of hate mail to the
1: more than normal.
2: Yeah, well but there's there is a culture of anti-intellectualism that unfortunately exists in the church. Mhm. And um
1: like simple answers. Yeah. Just tell me who to hate and who to hiss at. Yep. And you know, will be it's a, happy. It's
2: a very much us against them right. thing. And, right. I, and I reject that attitude.
1: Right. Except yeah. when we talk about spiritual warfare. Yeah. Don't mind, you know, directed at Satan, his minions, the fallen ones. Mm-hmm. But we have human that's surrogates. Who, well, that's who to hate. Right. I
2: mean, it's not, you know, if people were under... I think if people better understood the breadth of, uh, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. But against you know principalities powers, and powers you know, that's powers right and principalities yeah
1: but we have a lot of human people who are set up for mm-hmm. that because it sometimes serves some people's interest yeah, whether it's raising sure. funds or getting support or getting people in office or whatever like that
2: deflectimus but maximus
1: that sounds like almost like a middle new middle name for you <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we better go to our last installment with dr stan monteith uh, talking about the shameful-veiled legacy of our immunization and public health policies. And then we'll be right back for a wrap-up of the whole interview here at Future Quake. Well, let me um, uh, ask you about a group in the middle. Um, you to know, understand their agenda to want to weaken uh, new generations that are coming along either thin them out or keep them weakened and in your document your uh, documentation that you've had on your show and website have shown how it's not just even physical impact but even our cognitive abilities by means of sure. fluoride and other means they can actually even dull our our discernment capability uh, to be able to understand and digest what is going on, and they brag about it in their quotations as well in their own work. They confirm these assumptions by their own writing. But there's a group in the middle that also poses a threat to them, and that that are the, the very vigorous and idealistic uh, men and women who serve, serve in our armed forces. Uh, in fact, our own government reports, uh, the DHS report out, uh, said that returning veterans were a threat to the established order in the United States and should be considered potential terrorists. So so they sort of belie their position on our fighting men and women. Uh, one of the areas where this touches them is this whole issue with the Gulf War syndrome. Uh, we've had enough time now since the Gulf War to to let information sort out. What can you tell us, Dr. Stan, about what seems to be – the real purpose uh, and and really what's driving the Gulf War syndrome.
3: Well, first of all, I think we have to separate what happened during the first uh, Gulf War from uh, the second Gulf War. As mm-hmm. We know a lot about the first Gulf War. There were about six hundred and ninety thousand troops that were sent over there, and certainly uh, several hundred thousand of them were given a, an experimental vaccine. I mean, they were all given multiple vaccines, uh, it was, it's never been done, but about uh, several hundred thousand, we don't know, because it was all done secretly, We're given an experimental vaccine, a vaccine A, we think it contained, well, we know it contained uh, a, something called squalene, which is an adjuvant, it's an oil adjuvant. How do we know? Why? Because they've done studies at the University of Tennessee, where actually they uh, would check the uh, people with four syndrome, and they had antibodies to squalene. The GALFOR veterans that didn't have GALFOR syndrome didn't have the uh, antibodies to squalene. So uh, squalene uh, was this mineral oil adjuvant, an experimental adjuvant that was given to the veterans. Now, uh, basically, uh, of the 690,000 who came down, Five of you went to, over there. Uh, certainly, um, uh, there were probably uh, w- between one and 200,000 who came down with Galfor syndrome. And of course, they were all the symptoms of autoimmune disease, which is what the adjuvant squalene produced. And that would be the arthritis, the colitis, the neurological disease, the memory, or, uh, inability to think, the headaches, the chronic disability, chronic fatigue. Uh, thyroiditis, uh, arthritis, uh, the, all the symptoms of autoimmune disease. We do know that uh, of these young, healthy people who went off to fight in nineteen 1990, ninety-one, almost eighty thousand are now dead, and we have those figures from the from the uh, from the Veterans Administration. You will never see them mentioned, but anybody wants to see the pages from the report of the uh, the Veterans Administration would be glad to provide those for them. Almost eighty thousand, well over ten percent of the uh, six hundred ninety thousand who went uh, are, are already dead. And uh, but they can't let the American people. That was actually a year ago, January. The report came out. They can't let the uh, uh, American people know they're experimenting on our. our are fighting men, they're killing them. They're not dying from enemy bullets, they're dying from the vaccine program, the experimental vaccines that are used on them. But you have to understand there is an elite who really run America. One of the leaders is a man named Henry Kissinger, who is quoted in a book called The Final Days by Woodward Bernstein. I think it's on page 96. Oh uh, we can get anybody who wants the exact quotation and page we can get them for them. but Henry Kissinger, representing the elite who control America, referred to our fighting men as uh, a heroic fighting man as stupid, dumb animals to be used for foreign policy purposes, stupid, dumb animals that 's what they think about our fighting men oh, they uh, of course this was in his first remark. The, the, the publicly the members of our armed forces are not to realize they're simply stupid, dumb animals that are being used to fight senseless no-win wars, but specifically, of course, for experimental purposes for these evil and wicked people working behind the scenes. But you, you need to check out what I'm saying. Is it really true? If it is true, I hope... I. If you're in a audience hearing this program, you'll be incensed. The, the reference again, The Final Days by Woodward and Bernstein. You can index, read that, and get the reference to Henry Kissinger and Alexander Haig, or we'll send you the pages Stupid Dumb Animals to be used for public policy. And, of course, almost 80% of those Stupid Dumb Animals Courageous young men and women who thought they were fighting for America mm-hmm. uh, in the first Gulf War uh, are already dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, none of that has changed, has it, Dr. Stan? That's been a nope. long long lasting view. Uh, right. and, and, and you mentioned uh, um, Kissinger. He is a darling on uh, right wing uh, television, cable television. Uh, and I say right wing given that I come from a very conservative background myself. And in fact, uh, I have confessed to my listeners that I have voted for Bush twice. I had supported the Iraq War in the last few years. My own research, plus reviewing your materials, had shown me that I had had what I think could be argued as an anti-biblical worldview that was inconsistent with my faith uh, as I learned more uh that doesn't mean everything I, I believed was wrong but it did mean in many things that i was deceived and that i let myself be deceived easy because I was lazy and I didn't do my homework and I took people at face value and not understanding that the world is a world of deception and that secular people, by their very nature, because their father is the father of lies, uh, deceive very, very easily and the Bible warned it and I didn't heed the warning and I'm still learning uh, from that and paying the price and trying to warn others as well too. Uh, these same people right now continue to beat these drums that we need to uh, send our men and women, and they don't mind glorifying them. They will glorify them as the great warrior leaders, but they really are going to send them to the slaughter. Uh, and there are people like Smedley Butler, who was the highest decorated uh, Marine soldier in our nation's history, who who finally understood this. He led so many of them uh, for the sake of big business and for our government, for their own agendas. And he finally came to the conclusion that war is a racket. Uh, but it's part of a bigger problem. War is one of their big guns and their uh, big bullets in their gun to be able to achieve a radical quick steps toward global government. And I've learned this from reviewing your materials and, and others, Dr. Stan, that, that they take big leaps through war. Uh, but they always have an agenda. War doesn't just happen. It's just not a reactionary fact. It's planned far, far in advance. Uh, Dr. Cuddy was on our show for the first time a few weeks ago, and we documented that even the, quote, good wars were wars that were planned in advance. Uh, we were sold that we were doing something virtuous, but there were wars that never should have happened to begin with uh, had they not been led upon an agenda that's clearly laid out in the Bible. Uh, and it's our goal to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to get ourselves away from our own personal interest. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Stan, I think about all these wonderful materials you have at your site. And uh, I know you've dedicated yourself sacrificially to what you do. But if we could just have listeners and the Christian audience that we have here take their budget of money that they normally spend on self-help books that they buy in their Christian bookstore or church bookstore that are self-centered and focused on themselves. And that they would rather turn to the Bible to solve their personal and family problems and use that money to get this information to educate themselves about what's going on beyond the world around themselves. Uh and be able to you know, we we've got a lot of the soldiers in the Army of Christ that stay in sick bay. And they stay there mired on their own personal issues and they're and they're they're real and they're there, and I don't mean to trivialize them. We all go through seasons. But we stay there and we have a system that's set up to keep people in the sick bay Rather than getting out, rolling up their sleeves, and recognizing that there is a war, there's a spiritual war, and that we have to have intelligence data on on the the work of our enemy, of the adversary himself, and have information certainly from the Bible is the is the reliable data, but how he manifests himself in the world and the community that we're around today. Would you agree with me that that there's, there's really a call and a charge here when we're armed with this information, to uh, apply ourselves in the spiritual world to be able to rescue the perishing, and uh, to to do what we can to uh, provide any kind of safe rescue for those who would be subject to this?
3: Well, men and women become accomplices to the evils they fail to oppose. Men and women become accomplices to the evils they fail to oppose. Uh, What you said is right on. We have an obligation uh, to speak out in righteousness we have an obligation to be involved. So, uh, yes, I agree with you totally, and what you're doing, what I'm doing, is trying to make people realize that there is a problem, and that they must be, if they uh, certainly are true to our Lord, uh, must be there speaking out, trying to get the information out, because uh, this is all part of this manifestation of this spiritual war in which we're engaged today.
1: And there's a, there's there's a role for every person in our audience right now. Uh, not everybody is going to be on the radio, spending the kind of hours that you spend and, and I spend, uh, just compiling information with an educational role or, or really an intelligence role for the body of Christ. There are people out there that just merely need to take start with their families and then their church body and community and say no to participating in the Babylon system. To, to say, no, I'm not going to put these chemicals in my body. No, I'm not going to accept, uh, this, this information, you know, pushing the H1N1 virus that we found has been a big deception. And if, if you read the, uh, information, in the media in Europe, there are major investigations going underway on how this fraud was foisted upon the public. We don't hear about it in our media here. But, uh, we can take personal actions in our community to at least provide some kind of resistance and protection for our children, for our families, provide spiritual cover and protection for them. We have an obligation of at least even one topic we can get our arms around as individuals and try to provide some kind of Christian salt and light in contrast to this darkness.
3: You're absolutely right. The good thing is that they only were able to get about 18% of the um, American people to take the H1N virus despite the massive, uh, you know, campaign that they actually put on to try to get the, the public to take it. Uh, they got they had uh, uh, 210 million doses of the virus. They were only able to get on about 60 million. Uh, now we have about 330 million Americans So they were really only able to get out about, you know, 18 at the most, 20 percent of the population, believed the greatest propaganda blitz I've ever seen to try to convince the American people they should be taking the vaccine. And, of course, uh, basically it means that the public is beginning to wake up, and thanks to the efforts of... Uh, people like Dr. McCullough and Dr. Blaylock and uh, uh, Barbara Official, Fisher, the Vaccine Information Center, and uh, Dr. Sherry Ted, Benny and many others. A few isolated people out across America sounded the alarm. The American people did not believe the propaganda mechanism of ABC, CBS, NBC, CNBC, Time, Newsweek, U.S. News World Report. New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles uh, uh, Sydney Times, uh, the myriad of the establishment media were unsuccessful in convincing the American people they should take a potentially dangerous vaccine. I am so encouraged uh, by the fact that the public did not listen this time. I think there's a awakening out there, and we need to build on that. I think we can all be encouraged. Remember, mm-hmm. I've been at this for 47 years. I've never seen people beginning to think and question as they are today. Right. And I would certainly commend people like Alex Jones and you and Cindy, George Riley and the others in the alternative mm-hmm. media, John Leffler, uh, Pastor uh, Chuck, upon me, um Pastor uh, Chuck uh, Baldwin and mm-hmm. uh, pushball, 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 by the way. So mm-hmm. uh, the uh, getting the information out, we have much to be thankful for.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, when they see examples like this with the vaccines, they're gonna—they're not gonna take that standing down. The tremendous, um, virtually endless money. Uh, influence outlets that are available. And what they're doing right now, as you know, is trying to clamp down on the Internet, trying to clamp down on our free and open communication in the Internet. Uh, they're working through the FCC to try to uh, make this equal time situation to clamp down on religious radio. And so the days may be short. And that's another area where our listeners can get involved uh, begin a letter writing campaign, get involved to try to preserve these sources of information as long as possible. Try to preserve it. Uh, every month we can keep it open. There are more people that can be delivered spiritually, They can find the Lord, they can actually find uh, when they've been subject to these dark spiritual forces in their community and a means to resist. And so the effort is not in vain if they realize, though, that this is short-lived. And I, I recommend to all our listeners, um, they need to go over to RadioLiberty.com and they need to start uh, downloading everything that you have over there. You have a lot of free materials and it's an invaluable treasure trove. It's like the Library of Alexandria of information. But you know, even it burned one day. Eventually it was gone and that knowledge was lost. People need to download all that information that's there to their computer and then print it off. Preserve it somewhere. They need to purchase the other materials that are available, books that are purchased there, because that keeps the radio time for your ministry going. It helps the people who write the books who many times uh live very austere lives so they can devote themselves to uh putting this information together so people have it. They need to get it while it's still available. Even the shows, the MP3 shows, the Radio Liberty and quake download them, get them on your computer. One day you'll see a blank screen when you get on there. And we need to do everything we can to lengthen the time it's available, but have it for, certainly for you, for your, your church family, for people in your community as well, too. And your information, I know we're out of time here, but... Uh, uh, you have a lot of whistleblower information, do you not? Aren't there things like the Simpson Wood Report, I think I saw you mention, where they basically come out red-handed with uh, having information they know is harmful that they're putting in our vaccines and things like this, but they admit they don't want to admit it to the uh, public?
3: We do carry the Simpson Wood Report. We carry so much of the suppressed material. It's all available for Radio Liberty if you call and ask for a. Uh, a catalog will send it, or go to our website at RadioLiberty.com. I would simply add one thing to what you said, and warn people that are going to get us into a major world war. How soon it's coming, I can't tell you, but uh, there are many, many things that suggest that we're not too far away from at least a major confrontation in both the Near East and the Middle East and America one way or another is going to be involved in this. Uh, Begin to make your preparations, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, it's a totally manipulated, created war. Uh, The enemy, uh, basically, we will be funding, we will be directing. You need a war so you can control the people in this country and, of course, lead in a mass slaughter. And I fear that this next coming war uh, will, of course, be at least in part A nuclear war, sooner or later, may heaven help us. I pray that I'm I'm wrong, but everything after almost half a century convinces me that this is what lies in the future. So Mm -hmm. before warring, before armed, uh, get involved help get the information from michael out and from the other people we've mentioned and of course the information available at com. hope you listen regularly uh, get your education that's what i'm doing what i'm doing educating you so you can educate others and and listen to michael he's doing a great job
1: well and i want to thank our listeners we have a good part of our audience that also are Radio Liberty listeners as well too. And, uh, since you were so kind to have me on your prestigious show, many of them have come over and have listened and I appreciate their patience this week. Uh, they are highly educated and savvy and know a lot of this information as well as even some of our regular future quake listeners here. But we are trying to reach out to new people. Who Do not know in this information who have not had the time to educate themselves and our listeners that listen to Radio Liberty and Future Quake also have have uh, an opportunity that we need them to get new people to listen, suggest that they listen to the show, suggest that they get the podcast or the MP3s off the Internet, find opportunities to bring it up. Um, uh, pick a show that you feel like is a good intro for people who are skeptical. To sort of be led and to understand, recognize that this information is clearly biblical and shows a biblical worldview that's consistent with the world as described in the Bible, uh, and that is something that our listeners, I charge you with, is to try to in- increase the circle. Some of these shows may have information you're familiar with. Uh, we often have tidbits. When I heard this presentation and I heard some information you had shared about polio vaccines and the fact that there had been negative consequences as well to them in the worldwide push uh, for these uh, and even the spread in modern days of hepatitis, these are the kind of things that they can actually see. You're, uh, in the near future, you should have the videos up from the Radio Liberty Conference, right, where people will be able to procure those as well too
3: and be able to hear Here your full well, presentation. Um, Although they can get a set of the CD-ROMs, and they are available now for the October conference, but uh, we will have the videos before long as well. So okay. people can give each of us at one eight hundred five four four eight nine two seven or one eight hundred five hiv War because we are at war. America is under attack today.
1: Any, any last word as we say goodbye here? Any last uh, charge you've told us about war? Anything else that our listenership can do to to support you and to support the Lord in the battle or information they need to be aware of as well?
3: Well, we just appreciate so much your having us on, Michael, and we just ask them to listen to our programs, listen to your programs, and, of course, uh, that they have an obligation to begin to inform others. About the spiritual battle we're involved in—a spiritual battle for the souls of men and the survival of Christian civilization.
1: Amen. Amen, brother. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to uh, to serve uh, w- with your uh, wisdom and guidance here on on this side. And when we place in service on the other side, when the Lord has us later in the work He has us do, and I'll look forward to serving underneath you on that side as well, too, Doctor Stan. God bless him. Thanks so much, Michael. Appreciate thank, it. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future.
2: And Tom, very interested in all this stuff, you know, especially like Gulf War Syndrome and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Bionic. You know, I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the first show, but uh you were conspicuously absent in the interview mm-hmm. because it had to be done at an inopportune time, the interview itself. Yep and that you could tell. We just was, very much missed you there.
2: Oh, sorry man. I was busy being snowed in, sleeping in a bed that was four inches too short for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's a story there to that. Yeah. Um you know, here in the conclusion of this interview he talked about Gulf War syndrome and about the, the, the facts that these uh the squalene in the the uh shots appears to be the most likely cause mm-hmm. uh for what was found and that those who do not have squalene in their immunization shots before going off to war seemed like they were fine, mm-hmm. and I know that's hotly contested, but um you just have to wonder, yeah, uh, you know there's a quote that we referred to in this talk, and I want to read it for our listeners again. This is from Bertrand Russell, a uh, very famous intellectual in England, uh, comes up a lot in uh, guys with their elite groups uh, he was one of their favorites in the the global elites. He said in his book in nineteen fifty three he said diet." injections, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. This is talking about into the public. Mm-hmm. And any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, so
1: they're just like for the, the fluoride put into the water. I mean, this it's exactly in their plan. Now, he, he wrote that in 1953. In 1950, he got the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. And later received the Jerusalem prize. And and this quote was very uh, innocuous compared to some of the more severe ones. He basically said, we need to get rid of these people. We need to dumb them down. We need to selectively breed people that are the ruling class and those that are not. And if someone tries to rise above it, we'll have to get rid of them.
2: Well, well you know that whole thing about the Bible saying that uh, my people lived in Caves and stuff, and the world right. wasn't worthy of them. This just is another factor of that, I think.
1: Yeah, really, you know. Well, I hate that we have to go, but we have to go. But Merv, would you first tell our listeners how to contact us here at Future Quake?
0: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Doctor Future and Tom Bionic at Doctor Future at futurequake.com.
2: <laughs> hey
1: come back for a double segment of tomorrow's tremors for the next 2 days until then we hope your future is always bright have a good day bye join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake, quake.
4: welcome
1: to the future quake show i'm dr future
2: and i am tom Mentally and spiritually buff, bionic. Oh, you're just <laughs> quoting a, an email that you like to hear. Yes, I do. Any well, flattery in my flattery will get them everywhere with with me because mm. I'm sort of simplistic that way.
1: Mm. Well, it's great to be back with our listeners for another day of Future Quake. We sure hope you enjoyed the interview with Dr. Stan Monteith, uh, a real hero of ours and uh, someone who's fought the good fight. Yeah. Uh, very well, and uh, certainly recommend you check out Radio Liberty. When you have to wait in between weeks of hearing Future Quake, he's got a good archive of shows. Yeah, first the thing machine. you need to do is spend the first week listening to all of our archive shows, the hundreds of them mm-hmm. at FutureQuake.com. Just that's step one.
2: Take your, you know, everybody gets takes like a little week long vacation usually. hmm You ought to just take a week long vacation and put Future Quake on. There's just a hundred and one after the other yeah, after the other. I think put off a, bathing and yeah. eating. Just, just I think it was like 147 hours in a week or something like that yeah is something it? like that yeah so just you know
1: seven seven times 24
2: yeah is uh 24. 140
1: 168
2: 168 yeah so yeah. just you know that's pretty that's much a lot of shows yeah. you
1: could you could get you know a couple you, weeks you could get, you out. get
2: about yeah two-thirds of the way done yeah. in about a week right you
1: just put off sleep yeah well today's thursday mm-hmm. so what does that mean
2: actually you know what today is why it's my birthday
1: it's your birthday at the time of recording, that is. Yes.
2: At the time of recording, that is.
1: Can I sing happy birthday to you on here? Sure. Everybody, wherever you are, if you're in a crowded uh, elevator <laughs> or group of people, I want you to join with me yeah. singing happy birthday. Happy, happy, birthday, birthday happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, to Tom Bionic. Bionic. Happy birthday to you. Man, that's some of the best music you'll catch on radio.
2: <laughs> got some, some harnessing in there.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. I don't yeah. think we've had the pleasure of doing that before. Oh, I know. And I, know. I apologize that it was a, it was part of this secretly withheld information that I was not privy to.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, I've just been felt, I've just been feeling really down about the whole thing, but I think I'm better now.
1: Well, man, you're with your future Quake family.
2: Oh, I know, but, you know, you know it's just like.
1: You have teeming millions out there. You remember at the last conference you were at, they lifted you up on their shoulders. And carried you around, yeah, and they were really. like, hail, hail, Tom Bionic.
2: Yeah, well, they actually did do that, but they were taking me to the big oil vat. No, they
1: weren't. <laughs> no, you're you're just getting better with the years.
2: Yeah, much like cheese or... Just think wine. of all
1: those treasures in heaven you're stacking up.
2: Oh, there you go. Always get back to the treasure mm-hmm. of heaven. That's
1: right. I just sometimes think about those huge stockpiles of wood stays. Stay, Was it wood hanging stubble, excuse me, that I've got on my end?
2: Oh, what are you talking about? You open my door in my house and it just pours out, you know?
1: (laughs) Fire marshal has to be careful of mine. Yeah. So flammable. (laughs) The oily rags, I think that's the other one I have. There you go.
2: Hey, do you want to read a, uh, a listener email or two? Well, we if we you insist, that.
1: if you insist, we forget to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to tell everyone every email is read that you send. Mm-hmm. And usually action is taken, even if you don't hear back yet from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only get, say, nine to ten months behind on my emails and then I try to catch up. So, um I'm not picking on anybody here or purposely leaving anybody out. It was just one that caught our eye. Uh, this is our new friend, Darren. Uh, I, th- I think this is okay to share. Um, we we never try to share personal information, but just intriguing thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren mentions that he's relatively new to Future Quick Radio, and he says, Dear Dr. Bennett, uh, I've known about your show for nearly a year now, but I've only just begun to listen the past couple of weeks. Why? Well, at first I was a little too busy listening to other podcasts on a regular basis and wasn't real anxious to introduce another podcast into my usual lineup. Additionally, I did download one or two shows. I'm not even sure which ones they were. But I guess you and Tom were having a more than usual quacky day, and I wasn't impressed. Sweet. So uh, I also have to be honest and say that when I heard the fact that you had given a speech for the International Institute of Integral Human Sciences, my conspiratorial radar went up, and I began to uh, construct my personal defenses of all things future quake. Now, the reason I'm... Uh, while we're reading this. One, it's a very interesting email from an interesting person. But secondly, I think it represents a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think, Darren, you're not alone. There's a lot of people who uh, maybe at first didn't get Future Quake or wasn't sure it was so different from other things that they'd heard yeah. that I think your experience is very similar. And I just want to let other people know uh, out there that you're not alone as far as being confused sometimes about us. Anyway, he proceeds. He says, that may sound harsh, but it'll help you to know that about three years ago out of very... They had personal experience at a church we were attending, and I won't go into this, but anyway, they had some things that sort of sounded like uh, emergent church, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so uh they left the congregation uh, and found it difficult to plug in ourselves after that experience. And uh, we do attend another church uh since then. He says, that, anyway, I suppose that that experience has affected me more than I understand, because any time I get the slightest hint of something being heretical, I put up my defenses and try to avoid all contact. And believe me, we understand that. Yeah, no we, kidding. We, the world is full of that kind of stuff and uh, we all know where you're coming from. He says, a condition which has severely hindered my social interaction with others, since I tend to quite find a bit of heresy in the world. And, and that's true for us too. Yeah. If, if any of us, any of us start looking for something that we have problems or issues with people, we'll find it. Mm-hmm. In fact, you and I have come to blows many time, Yeah, we're in the studio for the I'm same still thing. Still
2: walking on crushes from that last blowout we uh, had.
1: That's right, that's right. I've had a bunch of teeth knocked out. He uh, says I then listened to your interview with Derek, Derek Gilbert from A View from the Bunker Show, and heard your explanation of the speech at the Triple that mm-hmm. I was not condoning their positions. No, in fact, you but were. But sharing the, the gospel you with them.
2: bringing the big steel boot of <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've never heard that term, the big steel boot of Jesus. That's a new one. Uh, And I was quite impressed with all of your comments and demeanor. So I decided to give Future Quake another chance and downloaded about 50 of your latest shows. Well, that's good for a start. Good start. Um, I have since discovered that Future Quake is an acquired taste similar to an onion with its many layers of flavor. You at first think, no, I can't eat that. Which no, that's not what I said. So many I, people wow, said
2: onions are the best thing ever.
1: Yeah, but you know, that's what people say about our show. He says, but once you get used to it, you wonder how you ever lived without it. I'm sure, being a White Castle fan, you love onions and know what I'm talking about. And yes, I am a White Castle fan, and I don't know if I say I love all onions, but they give spice to life, much like I guess we are the onion of the Christian sandwich. There,
4: there you go. Um, also,
1: we make people cry a lot. Yeah, I was gonna And see. give him indigestion. Yep. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, so any opportunity I get, I've been listening to approximately the last year's shows in a span of two or three weeks. I see. That's like what we recommended. There you go. Now I'm uh, starting to like Darren a little bit. And I wanted to make a few comments, if any. Uh, he says, "I." uh, he says, "I first, I believe the most important thing I need to mention is my admiration of your humility and fairness. When you and Tom are discussing issues that are quite controversial, which is almost every show, I might yeah. add, uh you're always quick to be fair and not jump to conclusions that might seem obvious from the story, but you're just making sure the issue is what it is and nothing more. I believe this consideration has caused you to be much more amicable to your listeners and not polarizing as so many talk show hosts tend to become.
2: No, that's my job. Well,
1: <laughs> you know, actually that's a little convicting to me because I want to be more that way, and I keep hearing that over and over from listeners that the more humble you are we are. Humble. No, well, need to be more. I'm very proud of my humility. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh seriously, uh that that's a good uh exhortation, uh Darren, is that we need to be more that way because we can be more productive in the kingdom. Because nothing is about us or who knows mm-hmm. what or who's discovered what. It's us all together cumulatively trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. He says, um uh, and he mentioned a few uh people on here that we're gonna follow up with on uh some guests. Uh and uh we're gonna follow up on some of those ones you mentioned too, Darren. Um he, uh, let's see here, he is...
2: right. you over to the house. Well, yeah, <laughs> he, he turns out
1: he's on the path to Roswell, so yeah. he said need to stop by. Like a flight sh- path? Or? Be sure and do that. And uh, he says, if you've read this far, thank you for your time and patience, and thank you for your show and service to God's kingdom. Sincerely, Darren. Darren, thank you so much. I hope we didn't exploit you by reading that, other than I just thought it would be constructive. Yeah. Because your thoughts sort of uh represent a large number of people who I've talked to. Yep, who didn't know who in the world we were and why we were so strange. In fact, a very very close friend of mine who started listening to the show, it sort of blew his mind too. Yep. And really, you and I are still trying to figure out what we're doing. Oh, I don't know what, what I'm we're going to be all. when we grow up.
2: Yeah. Well, you've already accomplished something. I'm kind of like a.
1: You mean I'm washed up? Is what you mean?
2: Yeah. Well, I've never. You mean yeah, be man. has been, but I never <laughs> was. So. <laughs>
1: you know what? You're very important to my book and to all our listeners, and they're probably saying, "Would y'all just quit?" self-congratulations and, read, self congratulations and yeah. read some news. So you want to read a news story?
2: Self-praise is no praise, so let's just praise each other. Okay. Yep. Good idea. Um, now, I'll, 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 I want to hit two quick stories here. Uh, they, they sort of go together. U.S. intelligence cleared to assassinate Americans without trial. Uh this is via ABC News. The Director of National Intelligence affirmed rather bluntly today that the US intelligence community has authority to target American citizens for assassination if they present a direct terrorist threat to the United States. We are take we take action direct actions against terrorists in the intelligence community. If we think that direct action will involve killing an American, we get specific mission permission to do that. Uh said the Director of National Intelligence Dennis Blair told the House Intelligence Committee. So that was there you know it was obviously a longer longer article but I just wanted to like they well, you cut it to right the chase. On. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> they can assassinate American citizens who mm-hmm. heretofore we thought actually had rights of a trial, mm-hmm. representation and I guess you avoid all that messy stuff if you just pop them between the eyes. Yep. Before yep. Before then.
2: And uh uh here's another one that I just I wanted to get right to the point with cuz it sort of relates to this whole goofy terrorist thing. Mm-hmm. Um Assistant to the President and Deputy National Security Advisor for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism. Criticism of of Obama regime serves the goals of Mm. (laughs) Al-Qaeda. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I can't help from laughing because it's just so obvious. In an op-ed in USA Today, John Brennan, Assistant to the President and Deputy National Security Advisor for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism, responds to critics of the Obama administration's counterterrorism policy, saying, Politically motivated criticism and unfounded fear-mongering only serve the goals of Al-Qaeda. Brennan writes that terrorists are not 100 feet tall. I would hope not, although if they were 100 feet tall, they wouldn't be hiding in uh, caves in Afghanistan. It would be a lot easier to find Mm.
1: them. Yeah, if they were Nephilim, they could be
2: 100 feet Mm -hmm. tall. Um, That last part Brennan didn't say. Okay. Terrorists are not 100 feet tall, nor do they deserve the abject fear they seek to instill. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, in an yeah, op-
1: tell again who this guy is. Remember- this, is
2: this is John Brennan, assistant right. to the president and deputy national security advisor for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism. This
1: has been in the major news. And yeah. he's like blowing the whistle and breaking ranks. Sorry. And they're making a big scene on the news about this. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, as as I'm sure I've told you, I don't watch TV. They're, so.
1: they're, they're, they're throwing him under the bus. Oh, well, yeah. good
2: for him. Um, in the op-ed title. So you mean we- you want
1: him thrown under the bus? No, I'm or just, just good I, I'm that I'm just he's good taking he's, a stand.
2: I'm good, well, he hasn't really taken a stand, uh, except for, you know, throw me under the bus. You well, know. no, just finish it. Okay, in the op-ed titled, We Need No Lectures, Administration Disrupts Terrorist Plots, Takes Fight to Them Abroad. Um, Brennison writes that politics should never get in the way of national security, but too many in Washington are now misre- misrepresenting the facts to score political points instead of coming together to keep us safe. You mean like killing them, killing each other. Uh, The administration op-ed is in response to a USA Today editorial entitled, National Security Team Fails to Inspire Confidence. Officials' handling of Christmas Day attack looks like amateur hour. (laughs) They just admitted they were going to kill Americans. Mm -hmm. So you might.
1: (laughs) Well, now, I could be confused on this, which Mm -hmm. often happens with me. Mm -hmm. But this Brendan gentleman, uh, he was in the news again for some things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically saying how he believed that that these public trials, that they could handle it and mm-hmm. that information should be brought out in the open for the American public to see mm-hmm. and other stuff that's just shocking information for somebody to say.
2: Wow, I don't know. That very well could be. Uh, Brennan provides a detailed defense of the administration's handling of failed Christmas Day bomber, Omar Farouk Abdullah whom he says was thoroughly interrogated and provided important information. He suggests that many critics are hypocritical and clueless. Uh, I wonder if that applies to Mm. people like Kurt Haskell.
1: I don't know. He's somebody I thought might be of interest on our show. I'd like to get old old Mr. Haskell on. His story's been out quite a bit, but... Well, but I, I just, even if to encourage Mr. Haskell for being a very brave American yeah. and saying, this is what I saw. I don't care what you people say I saw. Yeah. This is what I really saw. Well, you want to talk about that And this. his stories become true. Yeah. And that the guy who he saw, if you, if you all don't remember Mr. Haskell, he was on board the plane, which this guy was. Mm-hmm. And he he's the one who said that he saw some well-dressed man come up mm-hmm. and uh, basically get him on board the plane without a passport, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a gentleman walked up with that in a suit and said... This guy has to get on the airplane, and he doesn't have a passport, and he talked to some people and at one point said, look, we do this all the time, and uh, then escorted him, I guess, through security, and then right onto the airplane.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, um, yeah, I mean, and then it's come, out, uh, it's come out in congressional testimony, I believe, that uh, they know who this guy was and that he was, in fact, uh, he worked for some government agency.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: Not not which government mm-hmm. or uh, which national, which nationality, but
1: which we never would have heard about that had this Mr. Haskell not spoken up well, and, and stood by a story. And
2: Mr. Haskell has been denounced publicly as uh, uh, his his story is myth and untrue and uh, you know psychologically deranged and. Uh, just totally been name called, and it turns out that everything he said has been 100% true. And
1: mm-hmm. as he points out, the government story has changed a number of times. Yeah, six. Yeah, at least. You know, this is interesting. Days. You know, we we are a number of days prior to when this airs on the internet, and and even a few more days before it plays on the radio, and we're at a a, a very interesting lull, maybe before a storm. Today, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and in two days. Iran is supposed to make their big announcement, on what's going to be a punch to the West. Mm-hmm. Do you have any predictions? We'll be able to show you how wrong you are afterwards. But when this airs, what do you think they're going to announce Thursday?
2: Uh, oh, that they've perfected the uh, they've perfected ice, the ice machine. Because they don't have ice machines over in. Oh, really? They're like we've got the ice machine.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I wish they'd fix a ice maker like in refrigerators, yeah, because those are notorious for. I used to design refrigerators for a living, oh, for major refrigerators and mm-hmm. when when you were blacklisted as an engineer, they put you on the ice maker project because mm-hmm. they were always breaking down and causing major problems, mm-hmm. and it was your way out the door. It was like being sent to the Eastern Front <laughs> in the World War two. It was their way of getting rid well, of Well, so then that's no small engineering
2: feat, right? That's right. Yeah.
1: Although I have an interesting story. There was a company in Louisville that um, a gentleman wanted to make the first refrigerator. This is before Freon came along. Mm-hmm. And he was making one on some kind of, I think it was ammonia absorption cycle. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to make this refrigerator, and he had all these in- investors. He was an inventor. had investors, and they were coming. The deadline he had for him to show it off mm-hmm. was he had the little coiled thing to... to Get everything cold. Well, it was getting too cold, and it was freezing up the evaporator, just freezing it up solid with ice wow. out of the air. Mm-hmm. And he was panicking because the investors were coming that day. So they came to look at his invention, mm-hmm. and he was thinking on his feet. And when he showed it to them, he said, "Look, I have uh, invented an ice-making machine instead of a refrigerator. I've made an ice-making machine." And as it turned out. The thing was such a poor refrigerator, as he intended, and it it froze up the coil so much that it made huge amounts of ice, Mm -hmm. and he came up with a way to break off the ice, and now it is the number one ice-making machine in the world. They use it in hotels and everywhere.
2: Wow. Wow. And that was
1: the big thing. So uh, I tell you, that teaches you something about life. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think on your feet, look for opportunities, Mm -hmm. uh, it's the old lemonade kind of thing. Yep. And that really got us real far from Iran, but, uh, yeah. I think you started it. I did. Uh, would you like for me to share a story?
2: Yeah. Okay. Us. Uh,
1: this goes back in line with the, uh, theme of this week with Dr. Monteith about, uh, vaccines and things like that. This comes, uh, uh I have lost the, uh, the regular lead on the story, but basically, uh, swine flu pandemic was a hoax from the investigation chief. Uh, the outgoing chair of the Council of uh, Europe's Subcommittee on Health, Wolfgang Wodarg, said that his panel's investigation in the 2009 swine flu outbreak has found that the pandemic was a fake hoax manufactured by pharmaceutical companies in league with the World Health Organization to make vast profits while endangering public health. The Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, a 47-nation body encompassing democratically elected members of Parliament, began hearings last month to investigate whether the H1N1 swine flu pandemic was falsified or exaggerated in an attempt to profit from vaccine sales, which is the exact stuff we said was going to go on yeah. based on information from our very smart guest we had. I
2: know. There was th- it's like it's this guy, now coming this guy exactly I true I know. to what we said. Yep.
1: Uh, it says, Woldark said that the governments were... Threatened by special interest groups within the pharmaceutical industry as well as the World Health Organization to buy the vaccines and to inject their populations without any reasonable scientific reason for doing so. And yet in countries like Germany and France, only around 6% took the vaccine, despite being uh, enough being available to cover 90% of the population. Wodarg said he was alarmed when the uh, WHO cited early cases in Mexico as a threat and quickly moved to pandemic status, despite the fact that the case is relatively mild and the virus was not new. This was the mildest flu ever, and the people were much more clever than the government, so we had to find out what was going on with WHO. Why did they do this pandemic alarm, asked Wodarg, noting that pharmaceutical interests within the World Health Organization were instrumental in creating the panic. And reaping the financial dividends. I'll just share a little bit more here. It says, mm-hmm. we don't know what really happened. We only know that they changed the definition of pandemic, which is a very dangerous thing. Before, now it's just a normal flu. And this is why business for pharmaceutical companies was open. Uh, he added that select pharmaceutical companies were handed a monopoly. Uh, it is their trick that they always try to monopolize this. And we pay much more like this at WODOG, noting that if patents were left open, vaccines could be produced much quicker and far cheaper uh so uh anyway that was the that was the main thing of this. He said he explained how health authorities were waiting for something to happen before the pandemic started and then exploited the virus for their own purposes so it's anyway. interesting
2: it's interesting to see that uh you know the Bible doesn't make a big deal about uh, um, uh you know who does it get mad at there in revelation eighteen kings of the earth. And, the, and great the great merchants. merchants of
1: the earth. And the, the Greek word is empiros, which means global merchants. Yep. That travel around. Not not like your retailer. Yeah. Not your shopkeeper. Yeah. These are the big world traveling peoples the word is used. Yes. So many who
2: That's crazy. Uh, so another story? Please. Alright, let's see. Uh that one's a little bit long. Let's uh let's let's go here since we were talking about the um Yeah, you
1: got about five minutes. Oh, okay.
2: Very good. Um This one Oh, uh, the U.S. intelligence officials asked State Department to not revoke the uh, so-called Christmas Day underwear bomber slash crotch bomber slash slash whatever. You know, lots of different names for this guy. Um, via This is via the Detroit News, by the way. The State Department didn't revoke the visa of foiled terrorism suspect Umar Farouk Abnum, whatever his name is, Abdullah Talib because federal counterterrorism officials had begged off revocation, a top State Department official released revealed Wednesday. Patrick F. Kennedy, an undersecretary for the management of the State Department, said Abdul Abdulmutallab's visa wasn't taken away because intelligence officials asked his agency not to deny a visa to the suspected terrorist over concerns that the denial would have foiled a larger investigation into al-Qaeda threats against the United States pause now we just it just came out that um the you know this guy checking him on the airplane was a government agent Mm -hmm. you know and now they're saying that yeah we didn't revoke his visa you know that allowed him to come in here even though we knew that he was coming
1: so this search for basically here's the big picture from what this story has revealed Mm -hmm. over time not just this Mm -hmm. one is that these terrorists that they tell us are out there lurking and we better hurry up and find them. It could be just anybody. That's why we must have such a big drag neck with the Patriot Act, mm-hmm. with the DHS reports, all these things. That in reality, they know exactly who these guys are. Mm-hmm. They're really under their hand watching them all along. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they have no clue what's going on. Now, we know some of them, they actually run them. Like the uh, sting operations where it turns out the FBI guy was the ringleader. Has mm-hmm. come over and yeah, over and over again. Several times, yeah. Uh but these cases are saying yeah it's not it's not like we're just desperately trying to find where these guys are and where they're hidden. It's like they know this stuff all the time yeah which which also leads when you think of the nine one one hijackers when people say they were they were uh they did their training at um military facilities where they did their flying mm-hmm. training and other associations with the f b i it leads you to think that these these nine, quote nineteen hijackers were not just totally unknown to the government then,
2: yeah. Well, and then, so that begs the question, if they seem to know what's going on so well, how come this stuff even happens? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, I think those are, right. that's not an out-of-line question. None no. of those questions are out-of-line at all. Um, Anyway, revocation would have disclosed what, what they were doing, Kennedy said in testimony before the House Committee on Homeland Security. Now, see, that's what I really don't get, understand here. He's saying that if we had revoked his visa, then they, that they would have known what was going on, and yet... This gentleman uh you know another gentleman, another government official has said that uh, you know yes, this guy did check mm-hmm. this government official did check this guy in onto the onto the airplane, so
1: well, let me ask you this does you know they don't want him to go to trial because they said, well, it would disclose other operations we have mm-hmm. if they accuse Tom Bionic of something, mm-hmm. okay, and then you go to trial and you want the right to defend yourself from that claim mm-hmm. and they say well we really can't have that because we're we're looking at some of his associates, and that would disclose our means and operation. Therefore, we really can't give him a trial. Yeah. So can't they just use those same kind of techniques? I already said they can assassinate us.
2: Yeah. Well, that's that's essentially what this all gets to. Even though that they
1: can do it sparingly, and if they say it, nobody can challenge it. Mhm. It's like, well, no, 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 we can't. We just and so that's the end of the story. Yeah. We said that he's part of another operation, so no trial for him.
2: Yeah. And that I know. I, I hear that. It's such an obvious. Line of thinking to me that so few people see. They go, but wait a minute, our government wouldn't really do that.
1: Except it's, they do it all the time.
2: Yeah, like they just did it as we cover almost every week. There's mm-hmm. some sort of new thing. Just two weeks ago, the uh, the or maybe three or four now. But I, I read a story about the ICE saying that if we think or suspect somebody's illegal, we can make them disappear. And they said this guy was a you know a leader. ICE in, is the immigration in customs and right. customs enforcement. Uh, said essentially that if they wanted to, they could just pick people up off the street and take them to these special prisons they mm-hmm. have.
1: Rendition, basically.
2: Yeah, basically. I mean, they don't.
1: It doesn't matter what you are. If you're a terrorist, if you're a citizen, if you're a right wing extremist, mm-hmm. if you're if you're, you know, some of them belong in the country. Whatever it is, they they'll find an excuse later for why they picked you up. Mm-hmm. They'll just pick you up and they'll figure that out later. Yeah.
2: I know. It's ridiculous. It's not really happening. Don't worry.
1: Well, Christians, if you say, look, that's those other bad people. That's not our problem. Go back and read the DHS report and find your name in there as a terrorist. If you're a Bible-believing, loving Christian, you've already been labeled a terrorist. So every time you suggest torture and secret trials and everything else, guess what? You're signing your own death warrant. Yep. You're going to be hung with the same rope you're tying. Yep. So... There you go. That's what it is.
2: Arr. And
1: there's going to be a lot of Christian radio that will rent their clothes
0: when they hear that.
2: I know. They'll so. be like, angry.
1: Well, we got to go. And Merv, you need to come tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake.
0: FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
1: Okay. One more trimmer tomorrow. All right. Until then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake.
2: Welcome
1: to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future.
2: And I am Tom, ready for the news, bionic.
1: Very nice name Very well defined, easy to understand Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another day of the Future Quake Show And as uh, our dear co-host here intimates uh, It is Friday Mm -hmm. uh, Which means that something special about Friday Disregard yesterday's activity Mm -hmm. But for Friday, what does Friday mean?
2: It's uh, tomorrow's review of the news or today's Future Quake Forum
1: You know, I give you credit for finding all the different permutations of way to get it wrong you know, I, I think put I've, you on the spot.
2: I think I've actually exceeded the, um, you know, the way you would find it is go five times four times yeah, three times two. Yeah, factorial. I think I've exceeded the factorial yeah. possibilities at this point.
1: Hope our math geeks enjoyed that yeah. little exercise, um, ladies and gentlemen. It is tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news, and uh, every Friday is just like uh, Charlie Brown trying to kick the football from Lucy. I have to try to ask
4: him. Okay. Do you want
1: to do a dancing? Yeah, I've got a story here for you. Yeah. This is the one I want to get out too quick. Great. It's brief, but it's sino of the times, okay? And all we've covered in Future Quake, this should be self-explanatory. Oh, I was about this This comes from the... A uh, British Sun newspaper. Mm-hmm. says a soldier has been accused of waterboarding his four-year-old daughter because she didn't know her alphabet. Joshua Tabor admitted to police that he had used the CIA torture technique because he was so angry. As his daughter squirmed to get away, Tabor said he submerged her face in a bowl of water three or four times. Tabor, 27, admitted, admitted to investigators that he had deliberately chosen the punishment because his daughter was terrified of water. The practice of waterboarding was used by the CIA to break Al Qaeda suspects at Guantanamo Bay Camp in Cuba and other secret prisons. Uh, detainees, including the mastermind of the 9/11 terror attacks, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, had water poured over their face until they feared they were about to drown. President Barack Obama has since outlawed the practice. Ta- I don't know. Is that really done? Well Of course, we would never know. Of course, Barack Obama would never know whether CIA does it or not. Really? Yeah. Uh, Tabor, a soldier, like telling him. You know. Right. Tabor, a soldier at the lewis McCord base in Tacoma, Washington, uh, it's here in the States, uh, flew into a rage after his daughter was unable to recite her ABCs. As his girlfriend looked on, he grabbed the four-year-old and placed her on the kitchen counter before submerging her face upwards into the bowl of water. Uh, police Sergeant Rob Carlson said the punishment was carried out because the girl would not recite the alphabet. When police spoke to the girl, they noticed she had bruising on her back and scratch marks on her neck and throat. When asked how she got the bruises, the girl replied, Daddy did it. Taper was arrested after being seen walking around the neighborhood wearing his Kevlar helmet and threatening to break windows. He has been charged with secondary assault in order to remain on his army base with no contact with his daughter or girlfriend. The child has been taken into care by social workers.
2: That's really sad.
1: Well, and I don't want to imply by that story that every person who serves in the military no does insane stuff like that. I would Last thing I'd ever do. But what I... Would take from that is that when you take people and have them do inhuman things, mm-hmm. even to bad people, it changes them. It changes the administrator of the torture sure, well, as much or more than the recipient.
2: During the um, during the trials during the trials there that they had in Jerusalem, talking about different. Um, when was this? Uh, uh, back when they were when they were finding suspected Nazis, back in the fifties and sixties. Oh, stuff. okay, okay, well, yeah, a, a while ago. No, yeah. like it was yesterday. Got it. Okay. Um, uh, somebody was talking about how they got all of these people to do uh, these horrible, inhumane acts to people. Mm-hmm. And one of the conclusions they came to them was: a, they they took and made them not human. And but mm-hmm. then b was they took and they made they made the people instead of going, I had to do this horrible thing to this person. Uh, they took and they found a, a unique way to propagandize that and and flip it around. So the idea was is instead of saying how, look at the terrible things that I did. You got them to sort of look at it from the standpoint of, uh, gosh, I am so important because I had, look at all the terrible things I had to see at work. Mm-hmm. You know? Even though know, I was the one creating them. And, and I was, and it, I really had to, I really had, you know, it's a good thing I'm there with this person mm-hmm. who's strong and moral and the arbiter of good and evil so I can do these things and uh, or see these things and like yeah it's wow. it's weird when you step back and sat, listen to it but that's exactly what uh that's exactly how they got these people mm-hmm. in fact they even tried to weed they weed out people that were um they they tried to weed out people that uh took pleasure in pain and mm-hmm. they got to the people who were like uh kind of just the facts about it and then uh, proceeded to give them the psychological mm-hmm. experiment if mm-hmm. you will to change them and it was very successful mm-hmm. you know
1: and you see so, that a lot
2: with military folks as well, unfortunately. Th-
1: th- this whole thing is now entered. It's not just hush-hush in the halls of the CIA when mm-hmm. it's still there. But, mm-hmm. but now it's become mainstream. And people, and particularly people of faith, mm-hmm. evangelical Christians have said, yep. We want it. We want torture. We want to be. Kind of. To, well, first of all, we have to give it a euphemism. We got to call it enhanced interrogation, mm-hmm. much like people use things like terminate pregnancy instead of abortion, mm-hmm. or fetus instead of baby. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing that they do is they have to use a euphemism to redefine what it is mm-hmm. that you're doing. It's spirituality. Yeah. It's not Satan worship. The final solution, yeah. you know. Um. So I'm just afraid that this is going to pervade in other parts of society, and stories like this are going to become more. It's so prevalent. goofy,
2: don't you feel that sometimes you're walking around in a wacky world, and uh,
1: just in the studio.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, I'm sorry, man. I'll <laughs> try to be more succinct. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, seriously, you see all these things, and I feel like I feel like there's just so much, you know, 1984-style doublethink that goes yeah. on. It's like if we just call it something different, that oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's no big yeah. deal, you know. But you
1: know, I guess I'm naive, but I would think Christians should have a higher standard to see through that. Through the wisdom of the Bible and understand that, that is, those are worldly techniques of the mm-hmm. adversary. Sure. Um, but then again, I went for many many years like that, not having a clue.
2: Well, and that's and I
1: still got more to learn. Obviously, sure. I'm still not there yet. But
2: well, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to see. I'm sure you know.
1: But you know what? Without all that goofy stuff, we wouldn't have future quake with
2: it. No, we'd be we'd be out of work. Well, of course, okay. we don't get paid anyway. I don't care. I mean, would rather be. I'd rather, that, be. Yeah, I'd rather that, just yeah. If that meant there was, was no, yeah. If there was no evil to to deal with like that, and we just had to talk about, like, yeah. you know, the latest. So,
1: like, in the Millennium, we'd have, like, nothing to talk about quake.
2: Yeah, welcome to silence quake. Yeah.
1: Just four hours yeah. of radio another, silence. Another 11 months, we'll be going up to the temple. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we're just, <laughs> you know, walking through our vineyards and plowing the ground yep. and stuff like that, you know? Want some grapes? Yeah. Hey, yeah. grapes. Yeah, All that'd be pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, today in news of the Millennium, a baby stuck their hand down in an adder's den Nothing occurred. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. was reports of lions eating, laying next to lambs. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting silly. I thought now. it was
2: the fatted calf that laid next to the lion. No, that
1: was lion and lambs. That's where that's where David Reagan gets lion and lamb ministry. Yeah, I but I but I looked at. Or up, somebody I... called it lemon lime ministry one time. Lemon <laughs> <Limb and> lime, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, now, see, I looked that up because I've heard that so much. Yeah. And I thought it was the fatted calf that lays down with the line.
1: I don't know what Bible. It must be one of them funny Bibles. Yeah, one of them
2: New Jerusalem Bibles. My mm-hmm, you know, Jeffersonian.
1: conservative Bible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus' words are in red. Conservative principles are in redder.
1: Yeah. Hey, you got a story before we get I got more a, trouble. Yeah,
2: I got one here. Oregon professor openly accuses student of being FBI informant. This is a weird one. Okay. This is... For me, this is like Tom Bionic classic Future Quake. Okay. A bizarre blowup between a professor and a student at Portland State University classroom recently has sent ripples of concern and curiosity throughout the campus. It has also caused the student openly accused by the professor of being an FBI informant and a killer to hire a prominent civil rights, uh, local civil rights attorney, and led the university to launch an investigation into the educator. The school has taken the unusual step of stripping the tenured professor of his teaching responsibilities wow. while it conducts its inquiry. You
1: could kill people and not lose tenure in most schools.
2: Yeah, I know. It's That's wild. Amazing.
1: It, um, Unless you like, maybe brought a Bible to school, that would be thing I would have yeah. thought you could have lost tenure.
2: Well, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's a lot of things about this that don't add up. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, others at PSU are divided along two lines. Those who think the professor did the right thing... If in an unorthodox way, and those who think it's his actions were strange and out of line. I missed something. What was it
1: about this guy? where he, where he thought he was an FBI agent? The student was. Uh,
2: well, they, they don't really actually they don't really cover that entirely, but later on, well, that later on, and they say that uh, uh, the reason the ball started was the uh, a bunch of a bunch of students professed uh, approached Professor Hall and said that this gentleman that he confronted was saying that he could buy automatic weapons. And give him to him, and he wanted to lead, you know, wanted to shoot up Portland State University, and he had a special. This is what the student was saying. Yeah.
1: Why would he think an FBI agent would be saying stuff like that?
2: I don't know, Professor Hall. Um, Professor Hall, I guess, investigated him because he gave him a large packet of information, and then proceeded to do a 35-minute uh, presentation to the to the class on why he was doing this. Hmm. But that information hasn't been made public as yet hmm. so uh
1: but it's interesting it's like a mystery wrapped in an enigma,
2: yeah, well, it's interesting here though that the the story notes that those who think the professor there are two people those who think that the professor did the right thing and those who think he was out of line mm-hmm. so at least there are some some people here think that he may have been wrong in his approach. But the conclusions she drew were justified. Well, I'm I'm confused. I still don't know why
1: somebody is threatening to do some kind of dangerous act. while you would have think they were an FBI agent?
2: I don't know. I don't know. Um, and and that is a that's a you know, it's a fair yeah. thing. Um, like like uh, what his name would say. What is the rest of the story, Paul Harvey? You know. Mm-hmm. Would say. Well, and that's the whole thing. Um, why would a tenured professor open, choose to openly confront a student he viewed as dangerous? What does the situation mean for the student who has not been charged with a crime, yet is said to have offered to teach others how to make Molotov cocktails and buy assault rifles? Uh, professor Hall has not taught on the campus since junior, January 14th, when, during a comparative economics course, he accused a 30-year-old student of being an FBI informant and threatened to place posters of him around campus. Depending on the outcome of the internal inquiry, Hall could face a range of sanctions, including termination," said Scott Gallagher, communications director for PSU. Gallagher did not know when the inquiry would be completed. The Oregonian made several attempts to reach Hall, who has taught at the university for 25 years, but he didn't return messages. However, Phil Lesh, executive director for the Portland State Chapter of the American Association of University Professors, defended Hall and said by email Friday that Hall had asked him to act as his spokesman. The association is the union that represents faculty members. Uh, PSU student Brett Condren, who was studying German, was in class that day. He said about 40 students witnessed the confrontation between Hall and the student. Condren said with about 30 minutes left in class, Hall made a dra- dramatic announcement. An FBI informant had en- was enrolled in the class. He talked about his experience with, the, with government informants in East Germany, then identified the student as Zach Bucharest. Um,
1: that would have been an interesting class to be at that day.
2: No kidding. None of my mm-hmm. economics classes yeah. were that interesting. Hall put a letter detailing his accusations on the overhead projector so the class could read it. <laughs> Condren said Hall then handed Bucharest a packet to give to his superiors. So yeah. based on this, my, it sounds almost like Professor Hall at one point had a background in intelligence. Yeah. You know. Um, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. And then he proceeded to say a lot of unpleasant things about Bucharest, Condren said. For instance, and this is where it gets weird. <laughs> oh, unlike up to now, okay. <laughs> yeah. He said, Hall called Bucharest a killer and said that he had the spirit of Cain and the spirit of Judas.
4: Hmm.
1: Okay.
2: During the confrontation... Condren I've been told worse when oh, I was in engineering school. People have told me that publicly to my face, and certainly over email many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the confrontation, Condren said Hall snapped a digital photo of Bucharest and said that if he ever saw him on campus again, he would plaster his photo and copies of his photos all over campus and tell everybody who he was. Condren said Bucharest was stoic and silent as Hall lashed out at him. Afterward, Yeah, that's weird, too,
1: that he acts that way. In response, I know. like what is known about this guy. Exactly. And was he saying this stuff in front of a crowd, to the teacher, to mm. protect himself by exposing him in front of a large group?
2: Yes. There's Well, th- and that's why I think this story is so interesting. Uh. Nothing adds up. Yeah. Nothing adds up. Uh, afterward, uh. Bucharest defended himself, then walked out. The Oregonian tried to talk to Bucharest multiple times, but his att- attorney, Ed- uh, Eldon Rosenthal, advised his clients to- against talking to reporters. In one of two statements Bucharest released through Rosenthal, the student said he had admired Hall and, and cannot imagine what I did or said to cause him to treat me the way he did. Another student in Hall's class is Daniel Dreyer, a 26-year-old economics major. He was among those who had earlier uh, become concerned about Bucharest's behavior. He said at winter term economics part, uh, department party in December, Bucharest told a campus activist how to make a particularly effective Molotov cocktail. Bucharest also offered to act as a middleman to help students buy military rifles, AR-15s or AK-47s through a gun dealer he knew in Washington and that he had access to machine guns. In a second interview, Dreyer said that Bucharest frequently told stories about confrontations involving guns and said that Bucharest had shown him a gun that he carries on campus. Uh, Lesch said Hall's action came... Uh, Meanwhile, Lesch, the union representative, confirmed that Hall confronted Bucharest in front of the class, but did so solely out of concern for the safety of the students and the community. Lesch said Hall's actions came after other students went to Hall with concerns that Bucharest was trying to create a cabal of students on campus oriented towards violence. Uh, There were some students who ended up being very upset, uh, but there were also students who were grateful to Hall for confronting Bucharest, Lesch said. Hmm. Now, this is that's weird. There are students saying. I didn't
1: even mention whether they confirmed whether he had the mark of Cain or not on his head.
2: Shoddy reporting. Mm. You say.
1: You Um. know that story's got to have done wonders to help recruiting at the university there. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and it just goes on, and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. But I don't want to take too much time.
1: Well, I bet you we hear more from that story. I'll bet so. I bet you there's 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 more forthcoming. Yep. And strange, and uh, they're still waiting on legal action.
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, just to finish one or two more things uh, the FBI said he's not an informant. Um, they said. Which means nothing. Yeah. Um, uh, Bucharest said that I truly hope that the students will take steps to clear my name. Uh, Hall has fans among his students at the downtown university. Among them, 23-year-old senior Allison Ferris, who spent five years as a college student in the United States and France. I would classify him, definitely classify him, as one of the top five lecturers I've ever had in a university setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never studied economics, and he actually made the subject accessible. He contextualized it, and he just made it—he made it just very fascinating. Um,
1: but it doesn't say with the information he showed on the overhead on why he thought it was an FBI informant. No. Because other people there must have seen it. Yes. Hmm.
2: Which in and of itself is interesting. That'd be neat to get follow a hold up of with it. it. Yeah, yeah, get a hold
1: of them and find out what it was, what evidence did he put out there. Because there was a lot of people that saw it. Mm-hmm. And, and,
2: were, and a certain number of people defended Hall's actions. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I don't know. That's... That's wild.
1: You're, you've caught me speechless on that one. Yeah. I don't know where to, might what to say on that. You might
2: be in the making right there. Well, can
1: I get something a little bit calming and more comforting? Yeah. Uh, this sort of relates to that story I had about the waterboarding. Uh-huh. Uh, don't rest. The military's not stopping there. Good. Uh, U.S. doing scientific research to boost interrogations. The U.S. National Intelligence Director, Dennis Blair, testifies uh, during a hearing uh, that an elite U.S. interrogation unit will conduct scientific research to find better ways of questioning top suspected terrorists. Uh, it is going to do scientific research on that long-neglected area, Blair told the House Intelligence Committee. Well, I don't think uh Dr. Colin Ross would agree with that. They've done a lot of work on you know, yeah. torturing people and breaking them down to yep. find out that kind of stuff uh he says uh, he said there's uh, very little uh, done to the house intelligence committee without elaborating on the nature of the techniques being tested a spokesman for blair ross feinstein also declined to detail specific research projects but stressed that any such projects would follow us law which forbids torture and abide by internal review safeguards uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh blair said the task would f- fall to an interagency group of top U.S. interrogators from across the intelligence community, dubbed the high-value detainee interrogation group. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. You know you and I are never going to fall into the high-value detainee group.
2: (laughs) I shudder to think what happens to the low-value Marginal
1: or less value. Yeah. Uh, They said that we've given it the responsibility of doing the scientific research to determine if there are better ways to get information from people that are consistent with our values, he said. Maybe it's like asking very politely. Mm-hmm. Um, Blair said the HIG charter required it to abide with the U.S. Army Field Manual, which forbids abusive interrogation techniques.
2: In this country. They ought to read the uh, counterterrorism yeah. and insurgency manual. You mean they, they would the exploit the a, the a
1: loophole? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Re- uh, that's something we should talk about sometime is the U.S. Field, Army Field Manual that's uh, handed out at the School of the Americas.
1: A little different? A little bit different. You know, I used to, I, I confess something. I used to look at those people protesting. there as absolute kooks. Yeah. I used to think, what's wrong with those that's people? That's okay.
2: People still look at us that way.
1: Yeah, that's true. I know. And that may be more justified, though. Yeah. Um, that's fine. It says, um, U.S. interrogation tactics in the global war on terrorism have drawn heavy scrutiny in the United States and overseas because of the past use of techniques like waterboarding uh, that meet international definitions of torture. Obama formally abolished some such methods shortly after taking office, drawing fire from former Vice President Dick Cheney, who described them as critical to thwarting terrorist attacks. Uh, Asked to detail the research, Feinstein replied, we're not going to discuss specific research projects, but intelligence community-sponsored research is performed in accordance with the law and institutional review board processes. Hmm. Now, what Dr. Colin Ross said they did about Basically torturing people, mm-hmm. doing things, even people who were unknown, that they did not know they were part of the process that mm-hmm. led to their suicides and things. Mm-hmm. All of that got approval too, didn't it? Mm-hmm. By Internally in the military and also even the academia.
2: Yeah, they said, oh, no, we got to do this. It's important that we do it. Very, very important. Yeah. Very important. Yeah, some real safeguards. Yeah. Okay, very what you guards. got? We're kind of firing through some really heavy stuff today. Yeah, unlike our lighthearted stuff we yeah. normally have. Yeah. National Guard in Pittsburgh randomly patrol streets used to respond to domestic expu- domestic disputes.
1: Okay, the military. Yeah, the okay. military
2: is being used publicly okay. now in, that, in in Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, Americans are once again being conditioned to accept the sight of troops patrolling the streets and dealing with domestic law enforcement issues under the pretext of National Guard soldiers, quote unquote, helping recovery efforts after the deluge of snow that has hit the East Coast. The same soldiers who just months ago were also, quote unquote, helping authorities, uh, to brutalize innocent people during the G20 summit in Pittsburgh. And there was some bad stuff that went on there at that Pittsburgh thing. Right. I've looked at, I've looked at a bunch of those things, and it's like, uh, there was a whole, there's a whole thing that hasn't been reported by the media, and I wish they'd get on it. But it was, it was, you know, part of this protest happened on campus, and people, like, just walking out of their dorms got the Billy Club. You know? That's terrible. Uh, in the aftermath of the weekend storm, hundreds of National Guard members have been helping Pittsburgh's emergency personnel respond to residents' needs. And beginning tonight, they're also going to be patrolling City Streets, reports KDKA. We will also begin to have the National Guard patrol our neighborhoods to deal with any issues that come up, Pittsburgh Mayor Luke Rivenstahl announced at an afternoon news conference. So so city residents, be advised that you will begin to see National Guard Humvees in some of your neighborhoods beginning this evening. <laughs> Crazy. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette also reported that government, Governor Ed Rendell dispatched the troops to deal with all manners of calls that would normally be handled by police, including domestic disputes. The use of National Guard soldiers to provide aid in emergency situations is a perfectly reasonable measure. Uh, but when those troops start to randomly patrol the streets and work with cops in dealing with, quote-unquote, domestic expu- disputes and, quote-unquote, any issues that come up, uh, then a dangerous precedent is being set. No kidding. Especially considering the fact, that, the fact that less than five months ago, these same troops were working with the Army and the Air Force to conduct, quote-unquote, crowd control duties and run military checkpoints during the G20 summit. Uh, indeed, Pittsburgh guardsmen, Keep themselves busy helping troops, quote-unquote, uh, military and multi-agency task force teams to abduct protesters off the streets, attack and terrorize peaceful protesters, and inflict Rad torture weapons on innocent bystanders during the martial law showcase last summer.
1: You know, that's what they said they were going to do. Back, remember, they opened mm-hmm. that... Northcom there at Fort Stewart, Mm -hmm. they said that's exactly what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. So they're just doing what their plan was announced in the Army Times. And
2: and if you tell people what's going on, they go, you're crazy. That's not, couldn't happen in America.
1: They won't even believe the Army Times when they say (laughs) it.
2: (laughs) I know, it's so, it's like, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. The troops had previously been deployed in support of military operations around the world under the banner of the War on Terror. It is important to emphasize the fact that not only are National Guard now being deployed on a regular basis around the country on virtually every any pretext, battle-hardened active-duty combat soldiers are also being used in quote-unquote humanitarian exercises under the banner of NORTHCOM. As reported in 2008, troops from the 3rd Infantry Division's 1st Brigade Combat Team trained to rescue people from wrecked cars in a propaganda piece aimed at convincing Americans to accept soldiers on the streets as routine. The troops were part of Northcom's move to deploy tens of thousands of active-duty soldiers inside America by September 2011 to deal with domestic security, including civil unrest and crowd control. Uh, as
1: now, when was that? Where was that date come from again? Say that again.
2: September 2011. Yeah,
1: from where? What what site cited that date? What report or? Uh,
2: the troops were part of Northcom's move. It doesn't say which report. It's just something NORTHCOM has. Uh, As as Alex Jones re-exposed back in the 1990s, U.S. troops have been training for this eventuality for a considerable amount of time. That's true. During numerous urban warfare drills that Jones attended and reported on, troops were trained to raid, arrest, and imprison U.S. citizens in detention camps, as well as taking over public buildings and running checkpoints. During role-playing exercises, actors play, playing prisoners would scream, I'm an American citizen, I have rights, as they were being dragged away by troops. Do you like my little dramatic? Yeah, I like that.
1: That enhanced that story.
2: Yep. Deploying National Guard troops on You a should completing. do books on tape. You know? <laughs> Deploying national—it's funny. I've got a project coming up that sort of deals with that. Really? Deploying National Guard troops on a completely random basis to deal with "quote unquote" any issues that come up, including "quote unquote" domestic disputes, is a clear violation of Posse Comitatus. Guardsmen need to be tightly restricted to aiding only in emergency situations. Governor Rendell's use of the soldiers in such a slapdash way is a flagrant violation of the 1878 law that forbids the Army, Air Force, and State and National Guard forces from exercising nominally state law enforcement, police, or peace officer powers to maintain law and order. Well, Rendell, along with Mayor Luke Ravenstahl, have both breached the oath they swore to preserve and protect the Constitution. Where where did that come from, the story? That's an InfoWars story.
1: Um, Another thing that's making a perfect storm with this is that a lot of the states are on the verge of going bankrupt, and they're going to have to have the National Guard come in and take over police duties because they're not going to be able to pay them otherwise. So you might as well get used to just seeing military on your streets.
2: I like the idea of, of uh, you know, uh, people's self-sufficiency, you know? Yeah,
1: well, you know who I like? I like Merv, who could come tell you how to contact us at Future Quake,
0: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast.
1: we got to go. We're out of time.
2: Way over. Sorry.
1: Come back to next week. We've got a very interesting guest next week we think you're going to love. Mm-hmm. Um, the news gets more and more interesting as the days go by. But until then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day.
2: Low, bye. Join
1: us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.